the heck is he doing that at age 35? I'm like, what is it? Still what? a bit of pace to I'm him. Like, he took off. I was like, holy lord. What water is he drinking here in, in, um, <laughs> yeah, up, up in Limerick and Cork? Joe presents House of Rugby, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Hello and welcome back to House of Rugby. I'm Greg O'Shea and we're here together with Bank of Ireland. We have a special show today, guys. Of course, we have Lindsay Peat here as always. How are you doing, Lindsay? Uh, I'm good. Nervous. You're doing good? Yeah, you're nervous. Yeah, you're fangirling a little bit. We're going to have to let you calm down. No, because well, obviously I'm nervous about the amazing legends to my left, but I'm also nervous about the abuse you're going to hurl oh, at me. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to riddle you with the whole with Bring the, it win, your best, with the big actually, win but we have a special person in today guys Hall of Famer he's done it all won all the cups all over the world played in France played in South Africa I can't wait to get talking to him we've Mr. Brian Habana here how are you doing fella? Great to be in the city of Dublin um, a lot warmer than I thought it'd be and not <laughs> quite the Marseille week we had uh, for Champions Cup last season but it's good to be good to be in the north of uh, the equator yeah, you're here for the final, obviously, the European final. Yeah, for the Champion and Challenge Cup happening this weekend. So doing a bit of work with CJ Stander. Um, I want to say he's a local favourite. Um, yeah. With South African flavour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so myself and CJ doing some content for, for DHL throughout the course of the week. Um, getting to know Dublin and trying to give those coming to Dublin for the final this weekend a little bit of direction to what is the attractions in this beautiful city. Nice. nice. Should be good. Yeah, should be very good. Okay. You've sampled a few already, have you? I had a few uh, Rollies this Lovely. morning. I went for full Irish breakfast. I had a taste of the white pudding. Um, Lee McKenzie will be very happy for me. The black pudding, although it just just had to sit in the corner. But a brilliant, like I mean, as TJ said, I found out that a dry up is actually for those that have a very big Saturday night after rugby and a dry up. Yeah, um, should be good. Fry up, sorry. Fry up, yeah. Fry up, fry up. A fry up. Um, yeah. So avoided the black black pudding and then went to Il Valentino's for an incredible uh, croissant selection. I mean, they literally had. You've had a great morning. Uh, yeah, it's a busy morning, and then the pleasure of sitting with you two and having. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're welcome. We're good. We're good uh, hosts, aren't we? Brought the weather, the food, hopefully a bit of personality this morning. So hopefully you'll be back. More yours than Greg's, please. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so me and Brian flew in from Toulouse yep. over the last couple of days, and you were handing out the medals to the Australian women's oh. team. You should have seen the rain, Lindsay. It was biblical. Oh, I, no, it was. And biblical. poor Brian, right? Poor Brian Havana out there in his t-shirt, his skin tight t-shirt. No, no, it's good. Double double The rain just came pouring down, and in fairness to Brian now, he went over and got an umbrella mm. and held it up over... Who were you holding up uh, over? Nia Williams for her interview. Um, yeah, I mean, incredible what she's given the game of rugby. And I was like, I think if, if it wasn't a last tournament, I probably wouldn't have had that chivalry. Um, but mm. I, the cameraman was absolutely soaked. Uh, poor Jamie Lyle was. And I was like, nah, Nile needs her moment because it was absolutely disastrous that rain yeah. I mean yeah. just I can't believe the New Zealanders didn't end that you know, the All Black game like seven minutes earlier by the wind because the extra time meant that the rainstorm happened yeah. ten minutes after that but um, what a career now Williams has had I think what she's given the game and then sort of the Aussie women's going in and out for their medals but uh, brilliant weekend to lose uh, also wasn't as warm as, as last year last year was like no. 35 degrees so I couldn't get out of my budgies this, this time around unfortunately <laughs> it <was> very hormonal <laughs> yeah but the sugary is definitely not dead he stood there for the whole thing and held the umbrella up and you got soaked I'd expect not Nothing less from this man, and yeah, huge shout out to Nyla. She's yeah, um, yeah. she's had a great career, and it's I was kind of sad to see her see it end because she's still like yeah. so much she gave. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously fitting how she ended. I think you know winning, um, and just in the manner in which they did the the hardcore for her, especially which I, I filmed, and you do get emotional. I think you know when you've gone through that phase of you know sort of transitioning out of the game yeah. and you've given it so much. 
but I think the respect that her teammates and World Rugby showed her, you know, to have that send off into lose, you know, getting the haka done for her was pretty special. And kudos to her. I think she's yeah. given the game so much, been an inspiration for so many, both on and off the field, you know, coming back from injuries, you know, after giving birth and incredible what she what she's achieved and this Black Ferns team, you know, means something special. But you know, what mm. a send off. Oh hugely. And as a mammy with two two young women and to have that role model at home and be that mother and, and juggle it all, I have to say it's um I'm an over anyway, yeah. I have to say. Yeah. So congratulations. And an incredible rugby player. Incredible oh, rugby player, yeah. Well, maybe she should be, should she's be better like than you. her brother, I'd say. You're still playing away, <laughs> even though you're retired. Maybe Nye Williams will keep playing when she goes back down to New Zealand. Who knows? Maybe she'll go to 15s and I can she's transition to 7s. Nye's going to leave. Oh, she's going to leave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, some leagues. So, I mean, she's stepping away from Seven. rugby union, but in 7s. But still, she'll be just home more yeah. now, yeah, won't she? Yeah, she'll be home a lot more. But there's yeah. definitely still some good to go in that body of hers. She's looking in incredible shape. Yeah. She went really well this weekend. So, um, rugby league's uh, getting a good one, a real yeah, good one. For sure. And a shout out to the Irish women's sevens team who qualified for the Olympics, How which was them? amazing. Yeah. Unreal. Some incredible celebrations on Sunday night at the uh, World Rugby Sevens <laughs> Women's Awards ceremony. We do a lot of things well, especially celebrations. And celebrations. Yeah. Um, apparently they needed to calm down at about six because they qualified at like three o'clock that afternoon. Yeah. Um, and apparently they needed to calm down just in time for the awards. Um, yeah. So they, they, they ordered pizzas. And then the celebrations were first the wars and then the celebrations. But um, yeah, yeah, let him prick it be well by by the Irish on on Sunday night. Yeah, they, they started celebrating straight away, and I got back to the hotel. I was staying in the same hotel as the Irish women, and a couple of them had to go to bed before going to the awards. Yes. Like they were accused. Yeah. They started celebrating from the second they won. Yeah. Then they had to play Japan, and obviously that didn't go well. But no. like, how could you like come back down to play Japan? And but well done to the girls. It's so good, and they have a full year now ahead of the Olympics, which is amazing. Oh, it's amazing. Team. And there's a lot. A lot of players given a lot like Lucy Mulhall has been there from the the OG as I suppose oh, you call yeah. her and Amy Lee and Stacey and a lot of who's gone through a lot of ups and downs and peaks and troughs and mm. I think as the saying goes you create your own uh, story and I suppose there's been a lot of chat for us with our our senior Ooh, 15s women's yeah. and I, you, you'd be hard not to get I suppose offended with all the arguments you know as players and we said this in the show we want all everyone in Irish jerseys too well so yeah, huge congrats no, huge massive. huge exciting it's, time it's now it's just an incredible standard for the for the men to follow it does um, yeah. which yes. is, it's almost scary you know there's only one place left up for qualification you know, mm -hmm. Ireland probably won't you know get into that and sort of go the two tournaments uh, coming up in terms of trying to get there but I mean it's an incredible standard that the Irish mm -hmm. women have set you know, on the seventh circuit yeah. and actually a few OGs but Again, being that inspiration in a very, I want to say, tough environment from a negotiation and yeah. in a place of just you know pure equality. But if they you know, producing the goods on the field, you know, it just gives them that much more ability to you know go in with Absolutely. a lot of positive confirmation in yeah. terms of potential chats that need to be had. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully now the lads can follow in suit and get qualified for this Olympics. But we'll deal with that at another stage because we want to move on to the biggest event of the weekend, really, Munster. Versus Leinster, the like it was just. Poetic. Did you bring that crystal ball with you, or was and it? Like, did you say, uh, Brian? I'm sure oh, you saw it? my uh, prediction. Well, before we go there, I'm hoping that crystal ball is saying something different for the Stormers <laughs> um, <laughs> ahead of that Munster final down in uh, down in Cape Town in a few weeks at Tetchell Stadium. It was absolutely epic. And you know, as finals go, you I did it last year as well. I sort of called. There's no chance that Leinster are going to lose. Like you know, mm. five weeks at the Viva. The team they have, the players they have, um, but what an ending to an incredible. And again, you got to do a chapeau tip to the way Munster played in that game. I think the physicality that they brought up against an impressive Leinster squad, mm -hmm. and to finish off in which the way they did, um, there was huge celebrations not only 
Up at the Viva But down in, down in Cape Town um, As well the boys I saw are, that Yeah Is that because it's a home fixture Or because it's Munster No because oh. they get to be at home <laughs> No no So I think you know, Munster are the only team The Storms have lost At DHL Stadium yes. um, in, in the last year So They, get the, 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 they already know That it's going to be An incredibly tough game Whether it's been Lens and Munster But do mm. not have to travel now You know Up to, to the north again Host another Back to back final at DHL Stadium, sending you know, Captain Courageous Stephen Kitsoff spicy plum off with a hopeful bang. <laughs> spicy plum. Um, it really is, you know, stuff that epic, you know, epic endings are made of. So yeah. you know, the boys actually celebrated mm. you know, appropriately that they don't have to get an economy flight to go from Cape Town to Doha, Doha to Dublin. <laughs> I'd say they're sick of that journey. Jesus, yeah, just clean the jocks, pack, yeah, pack them again, and off pack, you go. Like, them again, so. yeah. They're getting another crack off Munster, which is what they probably want. And it's going to be an epic final down in Cape Town. That stadium is beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Um, but why do you think, I don't know, like Leinster's team, the, the, their lineup was a, wasn't their starting no, lineup. Wasn't wasn't starting. Number I was so kind of a bit they... upset, actually. Not upset, upset's a bit dramatic. I was um, a bit taken back as the selection, if I'm honest. Do you I think it was a little bit of a disrespect? Yes. Not picking their top lads. Or what, what do you think, Brian? They did have Robbie Henshaw and people yeah. like that, but it wasn't their starting 15. No, it wasn't their starting 15. But also, you know, in terms of where this Leinster team is going, when you get given opportunity, if you have 100 caps for Leinster, if you have two caps, you know, when you wear that jersey, you're going to mm. be doing it with a lot of pride and you need to be doing it proud. So I think the coaching staff mentality was probably potentially to see what these sort of you know, potential non-starters have in their ability. Mm. And again, Munster, you know, potentially one or two injuries as well, didn't really, you know, think they could do it. But I think the character which they showed with the full 80, you know, to start a drop goal, you know, Minute 78, it's not just the person slotting the drop goal, it's the forwards doing their work, it's the backs, you know, continually you know, cleaning breakdowns. And, you know, when it's not a high sport scoring game, mm-hmm. it's the whole team, it's one mm-hmm. to 23 that's playing their part. And I think that's where you sort of got to take your, you know, your hat tip to, you know, two months because they stayed in it for that whole, whole 80, which was brilliant. So I don't think it was a disrespect from Lens's perspective. I, I, for me, and as a coach, you look at these opportunities to test players mm-hmm. and, you can then assess them where if you bring a player, you know, who hasn't played a lot on in the last five minutes and you're already winning, you can't really see their character. So I don't think it was disrespectful. I think it did give Munster substantially a little bit of fuel mm. in the belly mm. for that added extra and um, that they could potentially see it as a bit of arrogance from the Leinster side. But what a game. Yeah. Of, you know, well, they still had 13 internationals playing. So, like, yes. Well, disrespect was probably yeah. wrong, but I just thought, right, okay, if we're going to catch it now in a semi-final, it's it's like cup mm. rugby, it's knockout. Like, and to be honest, we didn't win any rub of the green. Like, we talk about the drop goal, which was what a set of kahunas yeah. Mr. Crowley had. But we also missed that the crowd, uh, the Coombs rip on the mm. 75th minute against Joe McCarthy, who could yeah. have gone through. And at that stage, Lender had so much momentum. Yeah. Actually, they had started to win the game line. You're in yeah. the five metre. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is it. This is the game changer. Kieran Frawley misses a conv- um, conversion mm-hmm. after that Joe McCarthy try. Mm-hmm. So you're like, it was these little moments where you're like the Tommy O'Brien chase mm-hmm. down, which was a, a great kick by Harry Byrne. And like, you're just like, it was all these yeah. defining moments where you're like, geez, he should have probably mm-hmm. on another day would have gathered that, scored the try and you're yeah. kind of now relieving the pressure. Mm-hmm. But I just thought um, Munster certainly had their homework done. Yeah. The double Great. tackle, one chop tackling and they always targeted the ball. Right. I know yeah. Sam, the first first half especially, I was like, okay, these boys have done their yeah. homework I here. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So they kind of played Leinster at their own game. They made an absolute shit of the breakdown. Um, and I just thought actually the big thing was 
for me, they won the game line. They just won the game line battle and they probably haven't done that in an awful long time against Leinster. That was Leinster. on the pack and defence though. It wasn't yes. just you know, normally like you know, for all the Irish sides, you see that hard, you know, hard defence coming up. But mm. where Munster were really good is you know, getting that metre or two extra on attack yeah. as well, which allowed the momentum for them to just stay in a positive. And you know, when your fly-off is getting forward momentum, to be able to then dictate from a kicking game perspective, yes. you know, see the open space, which I thought Munster did brilliantly on attack and defence because they didn't shy away from any form of physical contact no. um, in any way or form, which I think was brilliant. So sets up a brilliant final. And the Stormers, you know, having only lost to Munster, um, you know, this season at yeah. DHL Stadium, they'll know they're in for a heck of a game. Yeah. And there definitely won't be many second stringers, um, you know, getting given a, a yeah. night in that <laughs> final game. Definitely not. No, hundred. Like I had some stats to go with the Munster win as well. Munster had twenty offloads, where Leinster only had three. Yep. When they had the same amount of defenders beaten, twenty-two defenders beaten each, and they'd relatively equal possession. So it just shows that Munster really went for it. Like they were like, nothing to lose here. We have to go for this. And there was obviously probably a little lens, little bit of Leinster in the back of the head, being like, oh, Munster missing a few top players. Like Murray wasn't there. Um, Snyman wasn't there. Conway, Calvin Nash, Fekitoa. They lost Sean Klein, there. which actually in the fifty-six minute, which I around the fifty-six minute, what yeah, I thought was huge. Yeah, he just yeah. had a a neck yeah, injury, yeah. but. I thought the two Witchleys come in and did great. Now, Salano actually, the, the first time we got su uh, supremacy in the scrum mm. was when uh, the both squads changed. Yeah. Um, and we started to gain dominance. But yeah, the offloads was, but the amount of tackles Leinster made was over 220 mm. odd. Isn't that right? But yeah. like, Munster kept moving the ball. Mm. Like, and it's so hard to play against. They just always were winning game yeah. line anytime. But I just thought they just targeted Leinster's ball. Like, Leinster actually mm. couldn't give an offload. And that was so smart. Yeah. And Graham Roundtree said in his pre match that they had studied Leinster and they'd studied and they were going to play the Leinster way. You have to give me and Jason credit. We said we go toe to toe by playing. The Leinster style of Munster and they kind of did. Lindsay, I'm not giving you any credit. You came in last, last <laughs> oh, week being like... Oh, here we go. Oh, you, yeah, I did. I think the quote was, oh, Munster have already fought a good fight. And I was like, telling you, 78 minutes, one score game. And what Who happened? Who has been My your boy, biggest friend after Leinster? Lindsay, I love you to bits, but you're, 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 you've lost. Yeah. <laughs> I have right? lost You're out none. of the URC. You're going to start wearing about La Rochelle been. now. All right. No, I think I've been Munster's motivation last week. Obviously, the lads listen to the show. You. So they can bring me to South Africa next week so, in two like, weeks. So what, yeah. What, 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 what do the DHL Stormers need? Just bring me down, I'll tell them. Come into me, boys. <laughs> let me, let me stir the, the pot the, here. The year is at 21 to the round at the moment. I'm sure we can make a plan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> grand. Um, Munster are the home records. They're the only team this year to go down and beat the Stormers, as you mentioned. They beat Glasgow, first team to beat Glasgow at home in Scottsdown. And first team to beat Leinster at home. So do we think they can do it again, Mr. Brian Havana? I know your heart says they don't want you don't want to. Um, what's your head I think? think? My, my head thinking the momentum that Munster have, I think the confidence they'll take out of what they did at the Viva last week will be resounding. They're also going to Cape Town ten days in advance. I think they're mm. going either either, either where are we today. I think no, they're leaving tomorrow. Irish time uh, to go down to to Cape Town so wow. um, you know they have this 10 day period there's a rest in between which which should be really good so the Stormers will be extremely weary um, traveling for a final how does that change the mentality uh, I think it's you know pretty intense months they haven't really been in a final for the last you know couple of years mm -hmm. so do those players that haven't had that experience you know now try gather it from somewhere where the Stormers you know current champions of, of URC you know they've slipped away in the Champions Cup, but you know, they've got this winning mm -hmm. momentum from you know the South African standards and, and how that has gone. So you almost feel there's confidence in the home side, but I then take, you know, what happened in Marseille last year with La Rochelle and 
how they came back from a Leinster team that should have easily won. And almost, if you think mm-hmm. about it, Munster can be that large element of what we saw in a hiding cup final. You know, the Stormers had the Bulls after winning it in the death in the semi last year. So mm-hmm. I'd be wary, but I think some of the tries the Stormers scored um, they were this unbelievable. past weekend. Um, I mean, Mani Libak, Achieva Daimani, that back pass was some of the silkiest skills that I have mm-hmm. ever seen. And I think the confidence that is within that side, you know, what John Dobson has got right in terms of the cohesiveness of the team, the team spirit, the camaraderie, the manner in which they are playing for each other. You think it will be tough for Munster, but that's the challenge of a final. You literally, if it's so close that you can't call it, um, you know, it makes for incredible mm. viewing from a supporter perspective. We might have a bit of rain, which could potentially then favour the Munster lads because Maybe, yeah. you know, in terms of how they play in, in two weeks' time, it, it is winter, so we're not going to be getting the 18 to 25 degree shirts off weather that you're having here in Dublin. I mean, you've got your shirt off the whole time. <laughs> but I think in South Africa, we only started looking at taking our shirts off at about 30 degrees. So when it gets 18 degrees and the people start taking their, taking their tops off here at the docks, you, you start getting a bit, bit worried. Yeah, yeah. But again, I think it's going to be, it's all set up to be an epic final. And I think the big thing from a Munster perspective is the physicality, mm-hmm. which I believe the Stormers would be able to match in terms of the practice. I mean, guys like France, France Monherber, Stephen Kutsop up front have been absolutely dominant, but it's been the backs for, for mm-hmm. the Stormers that have been incredible. Um, and you look like you know, Damien Willemser, his hot yeah. stepping ability there. You know, the yeah, tackling, he's got his back yeah. to full back there now. Yeah, mm-hmm. back at full back. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be brilliant. I think it's going to be. It is. It's a big test for Munster. Can they do one more time this season before it's over? Here, I have this crystal I can. ball. I, here need, I need more time to think about it. I need more time to think about <laughs> about it oh, the but a big man that is going to play a role in it is Jack Crowley and he had a little bit of a chat after his beautiful drop goal after the Monster Lancer game so have a quick listen to this here Jack many many congratulations just try and tell me how exactly you're feeling right now oh look we're in a final that's where you want to be um, yeah haven't registered yet but you have to give credit to Lancer today you know all week we knew the respect we have to give them as a quality side. They're not, you know, in the final next week for no reason. They're not here. The squad that they have, the, the quality that they have. So we have to give them the utmost respect. You saw what it took out there to, to even beat them, you know what I mean? So to them, this is this is their place. And, and uh, it's all due respect to them that they're an unbelievable side and they took everything that we had to beat them. So, yeah, happy that we're in the final. Yeah. One of the best Munster Leinster Derby matches for many, many a long year, a couple of decades. Donald Lennon said, and you won it in the 70th minute with a drop goal in front of the post. What was going through your mind? Yeah, look, the moment itself is something, but it's more, you know, the 77 other minutes before that that the boys put in, the forwards coming around the corner, the effort that the backs put in, the 23 put in, and then you go beyond that to the lads back home that aren't even here on the pitch today, you know what I mean? It truly, that is what made today, you know what I mean? That moment that goes over the bar, that's what you practice for, you're, that's what you're there to do, you have to do that, but it's the effort that the boys put in far beyond the 23. So it's a it's an unbelievable squad effort, both coaching and, and squad, so that's what that meant today, you know what I mean? It was more than the moment. Right, very cool, calm and collected for Mr. Jack Crowley there, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And like for such a young age and he just seemed to just take the bull by the horns, didn't he, Brian? And he just yeah. goes, I'm going to do this, I'm going to win this for Munster in a local derby against Leinster. Like that's just incredible stuff, isn't it? So that's the stuff that defines careers almost, you think? And I think there's this epic photo that's come up on social media this past week, you know, where it's exactly the same image of him and Ron Nagara. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're doing exactly the same thing. And, and for a lad that... You know, sort of at the start of what is hopefully going to be a very blossoming career um, to do it with that mentality 
with the calmness, I think you know, the resolve that he did it with, it almost looked like he'd been practicing it his whole life. And mm. that moment mm. was specifically made for how he did it. I mean, I would have absolutely stuffed that one up. I <laughs> Mine would have probably gone on the ground, grab her under the post. I'm not quite sure if he'd been playing the FIFA World Cup, but I would have absolutely, I mean, with the pressure that he was under. Mm. Um, and that so wasn't part of your skill set back in the day. Uh, no, I, I perfected kicking a grab, uh, chip kick off the shin. So mm. I called it the shank. <laughs> called it a shank, not a shank. Um, I think that's on your Wikipedia page, right? Yeah. <laughs> you made it work yeah, but I mean Mr. Crowley again you got to take a lot of respect mm. of, of what he did and how he did it and in a big moment like that mm. um, and you could sort of see him not wanting to be overcome with joy and exuberance you know running yeah. back mm. but what a minute to do it and, and much respect I think um, it gave him the confidence that will hopefully just continue increasing where he is at in his career and maybe make um, yeah, Mr. Farrell yeah, take, a, take a look and to see what is possible from a lad who is plenty on the peripheries, but mm. showing big match temperament in a way that is astounding. Yeah, for sure. I trained with Jack Crowley in the seventh team for a couple of years in mm. Munster Academy. He was in the sub academy coming up, yeah. and he was always like a really good, meticulous player, very yeah. pedantic with his training. But I didn't think he'd blossom this quickly. Yeah. Like he's gone straight to the top, and he's taken it like as you said so calmly, as if he was meant to be there the whole time. Mm. So he seems like he is really going to go to the top. And he can't not be in this Irish squad coming up to the World Cup. Like, well, like you're talking about hands up for Mr. Farrell. Like, if you, you know, we have such big games yeah. against Scotland, against the box, and then depending on what route we go, then we've the All Blacks, we've the French. So now you have a young man who's kind of saying, like, you know, I'm calmness mm. personified. Like, he had such little time to drop that kick, get a strike on it. Mm. You know, I think it was someone saying about, you know, normally they're a bit wonky going mm. over. Like, it was nearly mm. perfect. And yeah. Ryan Bard was absolutely running Brilliant. down his throat. Yeah. And I would have been thinking, I'm going to get blocked here. You know, he, I'd say he didn't deviate his thoughts. It was just like, same process over and over again. Yeah. So for someone to do that on such a big stage already, he needs to be in that Ireland camp because... The difference in World Cup mm. is it's always a knockout final. Do you know, these games will always be knockout. Three fly-offs. That's a big call and a big call for World Cup. Burnley's going really well for Lens. Ross Burnley, yeah, he is. He is, but they're different. Like, so I, I want to know, did you think, because I know you, you were like giving Mr. Healy shit and telling him to piss off already to Scotland. I, I, I know you love him. I, I, I like know, ben but you were like a hurt man. for Edinburgh. I know, but you're hurt, man. Scotland, like. But obviously, he went off injured and then Miss Crowley went back to 10 and then Rory Scannell, who I thought was very lively, who came yeah. on at centre. Yeah. Do you think that was a turning point and Mr. Crowley started back into his a more favoured position for him? I think Crowley's much more suited at 10. He yes. is, a, he yeah. can do the job at 12, but like he's a natural 10. What but the only bit it? thing, yeah. he'll be 10, 12 and a utility player going to a World Cup. So now he offers yeah. two. So that's the thing where I'm, sorry to put across it, that's where I think yeah. with Ross, he is absolutely exceptional, but he's just an out now fly half whereas now yeah. if someone is a utility player, so now you looked at your 6-2 split with Munster's bench, which we'll talk about, so he's just a different option for you now, I think. Yeah. So that's yeah, my no, only yeah, thing, wouldn't yeah, it? It's, it's, a, it's a fair point. Fair point but yeah, at a World Cup, you know, again, Damon Williams they had that in you know, 2019 when he mm. came in. It was sort of on the peripheries. But I, I think in the World Cup specifically, where 10 is such a key position, mm. you almost need a specialist. And if uh, Carls doesn't play 10 predominantly, mm. consistently for the next three, four months, you know, and you look at someone like Ross Byrne, I mean, he's going so well, so at well the moment yeah. at, as well. So mm. do you take three tens or do you then look at other utilities? And again, I look at someone like Keith Earls that's come back from injury and I'm like, how the heck is he doing that at age 35? <laughs> I'm like, what is it? What is still it? a what? bit of pace to I'm him. Like, he took off. I was like, holy love. What water is he drinking here in, in, um, <laughs> yeah, up, up in Limerick and Cork? So, um, yeah, again, I think it's a specialist 10 decision that mm. Andy Farrell's got to look at and, 
And you look at moments like this in a think back 03, you know, that Johnny Wilkinson drop off the, off the right foot, yeah. 95, Joel Stransky, Dan Carter in 2015. So 10 is just such a key position yeah. um, and you need guys with that calmness. But does that put Ross Byrne under pressure now in the next while? Well, we think? need Johnny back from surgery, don't we? So no, I saw Johnny two weeks ago. He's uh, he's pretty calm. He'll, yeah, he'll he's be good. back. Um, he's and okay, I also yeah. them look at how Carly's playing. Look at how Ross Byrne's playing. I think everyone's thinking around. Oh, what happens if Johnny gets injured? You look at the quality underneath mm -hmm. that at the moment, and you're like, you know, Johnny is an incredible player and will be leading this Irish team in a way in which only Johnny Sexton can. But you now have a lot more confidence in. The replacements where you know if a month or two back you're like oh, mm -hmm. not quite sure if that under you know underlying replacement mm -hmm. environment is quite the johnny six and standard so you know kudos to the boys for putting their hands up and in big games and yeah. that's the biggest thing like as a coach you must love firstly having the opportunity of many people i mean if there were slim pickings for andy farrell you'd be like oh no i don't know a bit of <laughs> i don't even worry but you have someone like carl's coming in now and doing that and all of a sudden you're know, putting pressure Pick on a rock burn yeah. and a johnny six and coming back which is brilliant. Yeah, it is great. There's plenty of options there, a second choice I would have. Coming back to the Stormers Connacht game, um, it was just this, like the Stormers only had, what, 29% possession yeah. and they made 184 tackles to Connacht's 46. Like they basically didn't have the ball, yeah. but every time they did, they did something with it. Mm. They had 15 offloads to Connacht's four. So they were just throwing the ball around. I think yeah. Labak got ahead of steam. Angelo yeah, Davis was flying it. Flying it. Yeah. He's only back from injury. Am I right with him? Who's that? Angelo Davis is on uh, He's been, been, he's he's been knocking around, but I think... Um, I mean, that, that, that line break that he had was just absolutely sublime. Oh, it was off, off, off a set piece, I think, you know, as yeah. a winger, I was like, nah, that's... That, that <laughs> bread is, and butter. That is a, not just bread and butter, but just the manner in which he did it. Yeah. Um, and and he, bumped down Tiernan and Holler. And like, like, and oh, again, <laughs> yeah, he ran over him. <laughs> oh, my God. Just a little bit. And, I mean, Angelo's not the biggest boy, but it was a, a brilliant line. Uh, Marnie Lebock, again, he is brimming with confidence in so he's much. He's been key the last two weeks, especially. Well, he's been key this last two years mm. almost for, for the Stormers. You know, his convergent kicking has become so much better. His kicking out of hand has become mm. so much better. His calmness in intense situations. And he's he's got some quick pace with the, you know, pace with yeah. the mark, which is brilliant. So mm. he's been key in the all the good things. Um, he does at times blow hot and cold, but there's been a consistency of high performance over the last couple of weeks, which makes you think that, you know, someone like Alton Yankees is, is, is in pretty much... Um, the shadows at the moment in terms of World mm -hmm. Cup selection and you know if Marnie can go out there in the final like he did last year and produce the goods you feel the Stormers side you know, is going to be on the front foot for most of it which is exciting. Yeah for sure well they ended up winning 43-25 which is a good beating for a semi-final like and but to be uh, fair yeah, yeah to kind of it was close it was 31-24 I mean, or something yeah, with about 75 last four, minutes, last yeah. minutes to go. I mean those last two yeah. tries again I mean that that offload from Achieva Diamond it's just Ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, the confidence with which he did that. Uh, again, the cross kick from Arnie Lebok, um, and then just the stepping and the finish from Ruan Nell. Dude. And again, it, it does blow the scoreline, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. You got to hand it to Connor. I think they're uh, they were the brilliant, yeah. You know, up until the 75th minute, you almost did, and you saw John Dobson in you know in the coach's box. He was absolutely yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. thinking that you know, could this be an upset like they saw in yeah, you know, like they saw a few years ago. So no, it, it was a brilliant final. Um, yeah. Connor, to their credit, definitely. They weren't sort of there, thereabouts in the first half, but you felt the second half, something was said in that change room and they came out with a... A wild guns blazing. Yeah, yeah. With, with all guns blazing and, and really put a Stormers defensive effort into under a lot of pressure, you know, in that mm. minute sort of 50 to 70. You felt the Stormers were leading, uh, uh, or leaking a lot of holes in defence. The positive 
you know, combat in the initial, you know, the, in terms of the aggression from a defensive perspective was lacking. And, you know, mm. Connacht then started getting momentum, you know, one of runners there, you know, one or two offloads, but they started finding, you know, momentum in the collisions, which was potentially worrying if you're a Stormers, you know, fan going into a game mm. against Munster where they were winning, you know, the, the combat against Leinster as well. So, but a brilliant, you know, brilliant final. And again, there were some celebrations post-match that has gone viral um, yeah. of the Stormers, um, <laughs> Again, not having to travel, which is going to be a big thing for yeah, me. Yeah, huge. Uh, but months of 10 days in South Africa, hoping the boys don't go to Caprice on Sunday night. <laughs> or maybe, maybe, Caprice, they should. Yeah. maybe they should. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But it was a bit of... Connacht had a defining moment. Like, Connacht have been so... They've been so good and then so inconsistent and little moments where they're so frustrating. Same with, like, little knock-ons. And was it Tom Farrell? He, there was not, he wasn't under pressure for a high ball. Tom and, Daly. Oh, yeah, sorry, Tom Daly. Daly. Um and he he just had the knock on just off his face and it just mm. again just that no point, and it was a yeah. try, and um, Davies again wasn't it? Um, mm. So it was those little moments where you like again knockout rugby you just unfortunately can't have it's just those rubs of the green. So I think um, hats off to Connacht they they've surpassed themselves really this season. There was yeah. obviously that edge of Champions Cup rugby where they get mm. in they can get in now and I think they've given huge foundation and a as best to send off yeah. for Andy Friend as they could have. They've huge, I think Mark Sexton is coming in now mm. with um, a lot of high class, you know, uh, you know, coaching to come in there. So hopefully Mark they Sexton can build. Mark Johnny Sexton's brother. Yeah, he's going to come enough. in. Um, and John, um, John Muldoon's yeah, coming, John in, Muldoon's Scott coming back in. Yeah, they're kind of changing the whole coaching staff. They've also signed Joe Joyce, Santiago Cordero, Jack Carty sticking around. So it was a good season for Connacht. I didn't think they'd get as far as the semi-final. And they did okay against the Stormers, but the Stormers were just flying form. And I'm just worried for Munster if LeBoc comes out like that and Andrew Davids and they're just Ruan and Nell and, and these guys are just flying form. And has that always been the way Stormers have tried to play this like... So expansive John, high yeah I mean the Summers have always been a, a team in South Africa that have you know thrown the ball you know a little bit more than what a mm. typical side like the Bulls you know would, would have done but I think what John Dobson's brought in is that freedom for the ability of the players to not be scared of making a mistake and mm -hmm. I think that has just brought in another level of confidence and not only that you know he's worked the players really hard from a fitness perspective so those offloads you know do find the support runners mm -hmm. because you know, they do throw some i mean that that diamani offload uh, yeah, behind the back pass was unbelievable it was, it's like something you see in the nba oh it was <laughs> I mean, literally harlem globetrotter yeah. stuff which is brilliant but you know dobber's given them that confidence to really try to express themselves you look at someone like damon willem so who potentially becomes constricted in a in a springbok international test squad environment you know mm. because you know you have to you can't make bad decisions at test match level where They've almost been given free free reign and license to try things and do things differently, and they're brimming with confidence. Uh, and they that seem to be an incredible team spirit collectively off the field. Um, but yeah, you, then you still have like some world class. I mean, Stephen Kitts up front. I mean, for those two up front, Malherba will give Mal us both. Will give monster <laughs> trouble. No, Evan Ruse will be a nice Evan combo Ruse. against. Yeah, he, um, he hasn't quite found um, his mojo. Um, I think he's sort of trying to get get in with a few things. But again, having the solidity up up mm. front, I think, is really important. But the the backs are just expressing themselves. Someone like Herschel Yankees at nine, you mm. know, who's also pushing. Is he going to go to a World Cup or not? Yeah. Is there's there's some really talented scrum offs in South Africa at the moment, both in Japan, you know, up in you know up in the Northern Hemisphere and in South Africa. So, you know, is he going to be in the mix again? You know, he came in as a pocket rocket back in 2018, and you know has found some form that mm -hmm. got him there. But again, it's all all around Marnie Lebok and that go forward momentum. Yeah. His his decision making process. I mean, the kick for Achieva Daimani, you know, was literally oh, it was, it was fantastic. Was pinpoint. Angel Davy in the first half. The first half. So he's mm -hmm. really just dictating play. 
the platform needs to be set up front and you feel the storm is forwards. I've got a bit of grunt as well. Evan Rios, again, you know, putting his hand up as... He just catch a game line ball. It'd be a nice battle against Coombs, I think. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the fullback pair and, you know, yeah. Mike Prendergast or Mike Haley, sorry, had yeah. a, a great, another absolutely unbelievable game and the split, like he was, his shoulder was hanging off and he lasted the yeah. full 80 minutes. Like it was testament to the man. He was fantastic. So yeah, Mike Haley had a great game. He showed some and great it, it was actually at Newlands, um, I think in 2016 when Ireland won that epic game. So, he might be bringing some confidence about uh, no what is possible well. down in Cape Town. And seeing Erzy play, does that give you any itch to get back playing about no it? No chance. Um, I think, uh, <laughs> sort of got off the plane last night and I got a bit of information. Uh, <laughs> I'm not quite sure if it was from um, from Triple Seven Restaurant last night or uh, what exactly the information from this morning, but no. Um, I, I'd rather look at something like Mornay staying at 39, you know, still beating the door down. He's showing but, you um, all up. No, no, He's showing us all up. Uh, no. Tapping the the four zero this year, Mister O'Shea. So there's yeah. not even any inclination of one. <laughs> my, my two little boys, nine and five year olds, are giving me enough grief um, from a physicality perspective to even chasing them down. So trying, <laughs> no, no, trying to catch them. It's not chasing them down. It's trying <laughs> to catch them. You've done it all, in <laughs> fairness. Yeah. And one thing you're doing now is uh, helping pick the EPCR Player of the Year. Yeah. Can you fill us in on how that all works? How you come narrowing it down? All the top players yeah. in Europe. How'd no, you... so it's, it's actually a pretty intense process. So you get. S- asked to be on the board or the panel um, at the start of the season you sort of got to put your hand up because it's it's pretty intense you know, I mean trying to watch all the games we appropriately select so uh, we go through a qualification process you need to choose after the round robins you need to choose your top 20 or top 15 which is like how do you only choose 15 players I know uh, and you just got this plethora of talent again there's a few South Africans but just from Europe playing um, you got a few outliers you know you look at the mm. you know the Tag Furlongs, the Anton Dupont, the Josh mm. van der Fleers, Tyke Byrne from Munster, who's been exceptional again throughout the season, um, Greg Aldrich you know, from La Rochelle. So you got these names, and mm. um, we then all there's, there's I think there's five of us on the panel this year, um, and you then submit it. So you actually don't know who's submitting what, and um, then it gets narrowed down. So my fifteen will be very different to all the other panel yeah. members, um, and then after the quarterfinals, you have to narrow that down to ten, um, and then you got to put in a submission of like only five for you know for the last weekend. And then we have a massive debate on Saturday morning ahead of the final. Um, like, you know, who is, like, why have you chosen this? Who, like, and we all give our own opinions on who should be selected mm. the EPCR player of the year. Um, and then you're sitting on your phone during the game and you have to submit your one player five minutes before the end. What? So I've, I've been fortunate to be on the panel a, a few times. Jeez. And we're like, but what if the game goes into extra? Mm. It has been like I mean the Larishal, you know, Leinster game really last year. Like we, you thought it was I mean, going. We in. were all going Leinster. Like we were like oh, I mean, and then like literally like the last moment. Mm. Oh no, are we changing this up. What happened? You know, Larishal, you know, Will Skelton coming to the field doing what he did, and then you have to submit your final vote for the pl- EPSR player uh, before the time is up, which is it's, it's pretty daunting. It's it's really daunting, and you don't know what the other four members have selected on the panel. Yeah. So you then hoping, and then there's obviously the fan vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, that gets included from a you know online social media perspective. So I think there's a waiting. I don't know what the exact waiting percentage is, but I I think we have a lot less of a waiting percentage in the final, um, where we sort of recommend the five finalists. But I think it's brilliant, and so many world class players. And you look at you know the what we will see this this week, and you think you know, as much as Anton Dupont is still playing brilliant rugby, and you know the the La Rochelle guys are just. They were oh, sublime they were in the sublime. semi-final, and they've had yeah. another epic yeah. season. But yeah, it's, it's a it's a pretty it's not as simple as oh no, you know, choosing names yeah. out of a hat, and 
you battle it out, you give your, you know, your understanding of, you know, why you believe someone in particular should get it. But then in, do you can't justify if a player has an absolute stormer in a final, mm. you know, do you change your thinking? Yeah. Uh, and you unfortunately can't add someone in yeah. um, that, you know, isn't in the top five, which is unfortunate. But, you know, if someone was maybe in the fifth sort of place ahead of the final and has an absolute stormer, you're like, oh, do you just take the final and how big is that? Or do you go back into the whole season and, you know, how the other four players have been going? So it's, it's a pretty tough task. To be it honest, is for sure, yeah. Um, I'd rather take the drop least, call. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> Give me but, the drop call now and say that. But at least it's like consistency over the season. And there's yeah. lots of you picking, you're filtering it down. It's not yeah. just going over a point. Uh, yeah, but do you have maybe? a... I think I'd have like an Excel spreadsheet and maybe like point them so then I'd know the consistency because mm. like I'd be caught up in a final going, oh, Jesus, look, Kildar yeah. sent absolute yeah. storm against La Rochelle. He's won them the game. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know... No, you do You do have certain stats and again, that's what we debate on you know, at, at the breakfast on Saturday morning is, okay, well... What do we look at in totality? Do we just look at the uh, knockout rugby, the mentality, the play, the ability mm. of a play in, in a knockout environment? Or do you look at the consistency? You know, a lot of the Irish lads miss a lot of the first part of the season because they either rested or whatever. Mm. And the other guys have been putting in the work from the beginning. Yeah. Does that count more or that count less? So, Positionally, does that come in? Because obviously uh, if DuPont is like so central to their team at nine mm. and then you've, say, the likes of Doris and Van Fleer who mm. are so key in the pack yeah. area and they're... No, so I've had someone, I mean, so my tag for long. A lot of the dirty work, sometimes you don't get seen, but I mean, the, his pirouetting, his, yeah. you know, his passing, <laughs> his stepping skills has been visible for everyone. Yeah. But then you look at someone like Ty Byrne, who has you know, just been so instrumental in all the good things that, you know, have come about with Munster mm. this season in particular. So um, you try and look at the holistic approach. Obviously, there's, you know, man of the matches and then things. I mean, someone like Greg Aldrich, you know, his name's always there, thereabouts mm. because mm. of his abilities play. Um, you know, I had guys like Bottier who could come on as a replacement and just do some <sighs> mind-blowing things. Yeah. Mind-blowing things. So um, I think a worthy top five, obviously, you're not always you know, in a democracy, which we are on the panel. <laughs> you're not always going to agree. Mm. Uh, but I think we've got sort of five that are pretty decent. They're all right, aren't they? They're yeah, so they're okay. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, World Player of the Year, you know, 2023, you know, touching there, thereabouts, 2022. So <laughs> I reckon uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll have an interesting, heated panel discussion. Um, and I'm not quite sure what we'll enjoy. I mean, I mean, Maybe there'll be a Irish full break in English full Irish breakfast. And you'll have some um, black pudding then. No, <laughs> I'll, I'll be giving mine on to one of the other lads. Yeah. Oh, CJ might have it, will he? Swap his white and black pudding with you. No, CJ, CJ clean up his plate. <laughs> He's a good he guy. He's, he's a good. He's a good monster man by trade. I would love to be a fly in the wall. It's in that conversation. <laughs> um, but we want to talk more about you, Brian. Yeah. Um, one of the greatest rugby players to ever played the game, and I don't want cool. to That's big your head up here. But we picked our best players of all time last mm. week, and Lindsay actually said you. Didn't you, Lindsay? You're welcome. Oh, no, again. Come on. <laughs> Great kind of you. Thank you, ma'am. You're, no, you're, absolutely. You're uh, in my top three. I gave it to character. I'm sorry about that. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's, uh, I'm, it's always difficult because what do you go on when you're choosing mm. you know, the best ever? Um, I, I just think it's, you look at the holistic approach and again, Dan Carter, Johnny Wilkinson, Jonah Lomi, first mm. global superstar. But mm. for me, and I say it every Richie McCall, it's just... Yeah. On another planet. Jason um, picked Richie, didn't he? The other, yeah, Jason. And, and the reason I say that is, I mean, to become the first captain to win 100 test matches and I'd be the first captain to win back-to-back -back Rugby World Cups. And I tell you, the reason I choose Richie is, like, every time you play against the Crusaders or the All Blacks, mm -hmm. you get on a Monday 
and all the coaches start going, okay, well, how do we nullify the Richie McCaw threat? <laughs> and you go, well, which element of the Richie McCaw threat do you start nullifying? You know, is it the breakdown? Mm. Is it the man in which he talks to the refs? Is it the man in which he leads his team? And like everything kind of, we're going to fuck him up at the breakdown, contact, two uh, double hits, you know, bottom and mm. top. We're going to absolutely destroy him. Buckies, if you get an opportunity, do what you do best at, at the <laughs> breakdown. Um, and you go through this like, process of Richie McCaw, Richie McCaw. And yeah. he, like, what he got right throughout his career was phenomenal. I mean, he played the 2011 final with a broken bone in his foot. Um, and you think of how he ended in, in 2015. There's not many fairytale endings, uh, yeah. but the man in which he you know, not only gave the game everything, but then signed off um, where he could have gone on to get millions and millions of euros or yen yeah. or pounds anywhere in the world. Um, you know, but decided to call the day, you know, winning, you know, back-to-back -back rugby world cups um, with an exceptional record. Which yeah, I mean, beautiful. Yes, stuff. obviously, Alan Jones has now gone past him, you know, as the most capped test player of all time. But I think I think there would be a lot of people in the world who wouldn't mind winning ten games as a captain. Yeah. yeah. To win more than a hundred as a captain. Absolute legend of the game. Yeah, he's flying helicopters now, I believe, down in he, New Zealand. Well, he was doing that during his career as well. So he's always he? loved the. Yeah, he, Are you surprised though? Now, to know, be honest, he's, <laughs> he, does I think he was at. Um, yeah, he was at the coronation as well. Um, yeah, yeah, he was wow. at the coronation. He was. Uh, he's now. I think he is Sir Richie McCaw, isn't he? He could be. He is here in the studio anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's go, Richie. More about you. A two-time Super Rugby winner, two-time Heineken Cup winner. Top 14 winner, a World Cup winner, Lion Test Series winner, and a former World Player of the Year. You've done it all, man, in fairness to you. And it's hard to kind of pin down, like, best moments, all this kind of stuff. But I want to go back to, like, your roots of what got you actually in starting playing yeah. rugby initially. Because obviously you would have been there when there was the apartheid in Africa mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. South Africa won the first World Cup yeah. under Nelson Mandela. And with... Would it be right to say that influenced you or are you already a rugby head at that no, stage? No, that was 100% the influence. So my dad took me out of school for the first time ever. We'd obviously just become a democratic you know, country in 94. Um, the 95 Rugby World Cup had come to South Africa. For those of the people out there that don't know, I'm named after Brian Robson and Gary Bailey. So oh, wow. two Manchester United sporting heroes and grew up sporting Manchester United, wanting to become the next South African export into this premiership. So soccer was sort of, you know, <laughs> soccer, thing? soccer yeah. was my thing, wow. uh, but of cricket uh, as, as a youngster. And then my dad took me out of school for the first time ever. I went on a road trip from Johannesburg to Cape Town, which is about 1,400 kilometers, you know, 1,100 miles. Had never really experienced a rugby game yeah. before. Um, and then, you know, got to, you know, DHL Newlands was experiencing this incredible, I mean, there was grown men crying. I'll never forget there was a guy, um, Behind, in front of my dad that had them, this a white guy with this new South African flag painted on his face, gave my dad a hug. My dad had like a cotton trader's springbok uh, jack jumper on. And this guy's you know, South African flag was now on my, my dad was absolutely pissed off. That, you know, his, <laughs> his one springbok memorabilia item that he had has now been ruined. But just to see the unity, the coming together, um, I then went back solo on a plane for the first time ever. Uh, but we went to the quarterfinals as a family where Chester Williams, the late Chester Williams, scored those five, four tries against Samoa. Jumped back in a car the following week to go down yeah. to Durban. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to be at that final on the 24th of June, 1995, wow. in the stadium as a 12-year-old as wow. a boy. And I think having never played the game before and just witnessing, you know, with those 22 men, the iconic Nelson Mandela walking out there in the number six Springbok journey jersey. And Francois Pino saying it wasn't for the 60,000 in the stadium, it was for the 48 million South Africans. <sighs> 
I mean, I have goosebumps. I'm sorry, I know. As things go, I mean, as a twelve-year-old boy, child, you don't understand what is happening, but you just see the unity. You see, you can feel it, can't you? you And unlike many players of color in South Africa, I didn't grow up underprivileged. You know, I I went to really good schools, got given the best opportunities. I never had to like you know struggle for a lot of things. So, Mm -hmm. as much as I understand, you know, that sixty or seventy percent of our population, you know, were excluded were discriminated against. It was, I've got a very different story to a Sia Khaleesian. Yeah. And I then went to a very affluent, um, you know, high school. And my first ever game of rugby the following year in 96 mm. was for the under 14 G side. Um, G? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. <laughs> Sorry, just say that again. A, B, C, G. I was probably about wee high. Like I was a little, little I, mom, obviously mom, moms are very scared. So I had these shoulder pads and you couldn't see my neck when I had my shoulder pads on. I was that tiny. <laughs> oh, um, but not just getting to play a game that you'd mm. love, that fall in love with the year before was absolutely brilliant. And you start dreaming dreams and again, you go through the highs and the lows of you know, playing school where rugby. Rugby was still very amateur in you know, 96 to 2000 mm. while I was at school. I started playing a bit of provincial rugby and got my first junior contract you know, when I was 18 years old. So in the Lions setup, and then I just catapulted from there. But that 95 experience were for so many. And I mean, there's a stat in South Africa that John de Villiers, I need to mention, he says that if you play schoolboy rugby in your final year of school in South Africa, your chances of becoming a springbok in the next decade is something ridiculous, like 0.0058%. Oh my God. I mean, there's only been over like 940 springboks, you know, since the inception. Like, yeah. and there's thousands, I mean, you've seen schoolboy rugby in South Africa, it's absolutely ridiculous. bonkers. So, yeah. I mean, you have these dreams, mm-hmm. but for them to become reality, I'll never forget my house. I had an incredible 2004 year, played sevens in in Wellington and Los Angeles um had some Vodacom Cup hadn't played Super Rugby before you know came up to Glasgow for the under 21 World Cup that went really well I was you know I'd been moved to centre so started yeah. playing on the wing and then I was in South Africa sort of with my university mates and my dad called me he's like um, listen I've sort of called you're gonna you know you've been selected into the Springbok uh, incoming tour for the for the Tri-Nations back then I'm wow. like uh, I'm like look at my watch I'm like dad stop pulling the piss it's not April the 1st <laughs> Yes, no, no, you got to be in camp on Sunday. And I was like, absolutely in my element. Um, so you have this dream, 12, oh, eight, eight years prior, 96, 2004, you get mm. called up um, you know, to join wow. the Springbok squad for the very first yeah. time. And it's heroes, Austrian, Percy Montgomery, Brayton Pulser, John Smith. I mean, I literally walked by Percy Montgomery in the hotel. He didn't know who I was. Oh, no <laughs> I way. Was, I was that wet behind the ears. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was epic. And I think when you get... You know, get selected for South Africa, you know, that moment of pride and mm. everything you've gone through to get to that point. And would that be your first cup for South Africa be your yeah. proudest moment? Or because yeah. you've done it all, you played in Toulon, you yeah. won the World Cup. I think you equaled Jonah Lomo's record of yeah. scoring eight tries in a single yeah. World Cup. Like, how do you even pick your favorite moment? No, it's, it's really easier. And again, you, you mentioned that first moment against. England, um, you know, the then world champions at the home of rugby. You know, I was on, on the bench. It was bitterly cold. I was freezing my ass off. So much so that when I was supposed to go onto the field, the team manager called me back and I was pretty aggrieved because there's like only like 10 minutes left. And they said, no, no, you're still going to go on, Brian. You just need to take the beanie off your head. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, at Twickenham, I was going to run on with a beanie on my head. But um, scored a try with my first touch of the ball I in remember. international rugby against the world yeah. champions at the home of rugby. We got absolutely annihilated that day. I think it was like 32-16. It was a horrible game for South Africa. But I think for, for me, I tell everyone, that was without a doubt the proudest moment of my career. You know, trophies, World Cup wins, all of this. But the fact that then you get to represent your country, you know, fulfill mm. a lifelong mm. dream. But more so than that, you get to feel the privilege and the accountability and responsibility that comes with that. And 
I was then like, it is just so incredible. And it goes by so quickly. It was only eight minutes that I was on the field. But you never want to lose that. And I, and I sat there after the game and I was like, you score a first try. There's a media interviews that you have to do. And then I was like, you know what? I don't want this feeling to ever disappear. You know, And I don't yeah. just want to be a flash in the pan. I don't want to be there for, for one test, one two tests. Wonder, like, you know, yeah, one yeah. cap wonder. One cap wonder. One year wonder. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you, that moment made me realize the opportunity that you have to really make a difference in people's lives, to be an inspiration, but more so the accountability and responsibility that you get with wearing your national jersey. Mm. And it was that moment that made me realize, you know, I've got to work even harder than what I've ever worked for the last eight years. You know, I've got to be more proactive. Uh, there's so much varying levels and it was before social media and all this stuff. But again, you, you can now get this responsibility to mm. live out a dream, get paid exceptionally well to do it. And then, particularly from a rugby perspective in South Africa, mm. inspire a nation. Yeah. So that first moment, you know, by everything was was pretty epic, right? Yeah, my idea. It's incredible, Brian. And we're going to have to let you go because you have a lot of work to do for the for Can the I give a quick shout out before yeah, we let yeah, him go? Yeah, yeah. Uh, can I just give a quick shout out to Mary Shaw, originally from Athen Royal Woman. Shaw. Mary Shaw, okay. because she's uh, been living in South Africa for 30 plus years. Yeah. And I think the goosebumps that we, I briefly spoke to her last yeah. weekend. Uh, she was home visiting her sister, Anne Ponyard, a staunch kind yeah. of fan. But, she spoke so highly, knew Manny Levox, she's a huge Stormers yeah, fan. Sarah Khaleesi is a huge fan, huge fan of yours. And I just think it's so, the shout out is because you're not only inspiring, it's just testament she spoke about Makes the inspiration sense. and living thank there you. and she was raised from, yeah. from well, Ireland. So thank you yeah. very much for that shout out. But you are, I could talk to him all day. We could talk to you all day. We don't want to let you go. I mean, um, give, me, give me 30 minutes, I might be back. Will you? Come back to us and have a bit of breakfast. So your second you're, you're Friday. Maybe we're the second part of the black pudding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, Sorry, you're a legend thank you for the that. Game. No, of course, you're a legend of the game, Brian. And I, I grew up watching all your videos. You inspired me as well. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, guys. Good yeah, Thank you so much. Okay, really good to talk to one of the legends of the game, Hall of Famer, Brian Abana. Like, just, we could have spoken to him for hours. Mm. He's done it all. But another legend of the game, an Irishman, Brian O'Driscoll, who works at BT Sport. Jason and Pat got talking to him. And also... Lancer Scrum Half, Jamson Gibson Park, about the big game. So let's listen to these clips. I suppose just a quick question. I just want to touch on the weekend and what that might like implicate in terms of the Champions Cup final. Obviously, a defeat for Leinster that we certainly weren't expecting. I, I know I wasn't anyway, for sure. Um, I know a lot of guys were arrested that probably won't be playing the weekend and whatnot, that will be playing the weekend. But um, I mean, if you look back on the game, look, a defeat is never always good, like mentally and then physically. I was looking at some of the stats. The ball in play time for that game was 44 mm. minutes and 50 seconds. And it mm. was very fast-paced. It was very physical. You had the likes of Josh had to come on very early and play a lot mm. of that game. Do you think it's going to have any bearing on the weekend or is it just forget about us, Champions Cup final is coming up? I think naturally, of course, it's going to have a bearing on the environment. You know, you've got guys that are, have played their last game of the season that are a little bit sick at the prospect of losing to you know, our greatest rival, albeit, you know, it, 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 the rivalry has been very much one way in the last 10 or so years. But yet, you know, it's it's always a bitter defeat when you lose to one of the one of the provinces, but particularly Munster. So um, you can't help half of that. You know, 23 guys are going to come in and a few of them are going to be licking their wounds and think, OK, I've got a game this weekend. Lots of guys are going to think I have to wait till next season for another game. So it's not... It's not a perfect environment to go into a Champions Cup week, you'd have to imagine. But, <laughs> but you know, I suppose those that are going to be involved in the 23 have a chance to go and win 
the big prize. Not that you want to belittle the URC, of course, you, you want to domestically to still get the job done, but ultimately the eyes of this Leinster team are very much on on the um, Champions Cup prize. And I think the side that was selected in the semi-final would, you know, you wouldn't have to be a genius to, to work that out, that they very much feel as though they've, they've, they've achieved that URC level, not last year, but four years in the bench before that. It's been it's been too long as far as they're concerned, you know, with Champions Cup victory. So this is the year for them, and and you know they've they've still got a phenomenal opportunity to get that done playing in the Aviva. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, obviously it's a repeat of last year, albeit in Dublin this time as opposed to Marseille last year. I remember being over Marseille last year, and the fans, and even speaking to yourselves and the guys. I think you were the only person that said. It's a final. It can go either way. But the likes of Lawrence and Ugo and all them are like, yeah, Leinster have this in the bag. I mean, where do you think they went wrong last year? Was it was it Roger's game plan or was it more down to maybe they kind of were a bit too confident going into the game? I don't necessarily think it was a bit too confident. I think they were just a bit off their game. And I, and I think you've got to give La Rochelle a huge amount of credit and and Raj and the and the coaching ticket around the way that the strategy that they came at this game. Deny Leinster good quality set piece possession from line out in particular, the way they try and launch from it. And an awful lot of their scores come from line out. A lot of it was scrappy, lots of passes inside shoulder, you know, stuttered runs. And so the same, it didn't have the same impact as, as the launch plays, you know, up to the, you know, and including the semi-final and, and even up to this point, this season, Leinster have been so fluid. So, I think a huge amount of it has to go down to La Rochelle, but also Leinster just off a beat. And um, and I don't know, only they know why that was. Maybe it was a bit of a nervousness. Maybe there's, you know, a bit of residual from La Rochelle the previous year. Well, that's been doubled down on, you know, two defeats in the last two years. So for me, that's why the first 15 minutes of this game is so huge. If La Rochelle could get an early score in in it, I think we've got one hell of a game on our hands because then you'll really see what men, what Leinster are made of. And I think there hasn't been much question, you know, about the mentality of this group because a lot of them have achieved for Ireland and have won in New Zealand and won Grand Slams. But but let's be honest, they, they've slightly underdelivered on the on their capacity of where this team has been in the last five six seasons by only having one title. They have been. Nearly always the best team in Europe, but not delivered at semi-final and final stage the way they would have wanted. So this is their, this is a, 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 a yes, a big opportunity, but a huge amount of pressure for them to do that too. What's your favorite moment so far from, from this year's uh, competition, Brian? Obviously, I suppose you'd be hoping that it, your favorite moment will come after the weekend, but so far it's been a it's been a very good uh, Champions Cup this season, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Yeah, it has. Like even going back to the the first game against Racing over there, you know, you know, Racing are always hotly tipped to France. Okay, granted they have to move, had to move out of La Défense Arena and play in La Havre, but the the intensity with which Leinster brought, you know, and set the tone from very early on. What they weren't feeling sorry for themselves and their defeat in the final last year it was okay onwards and upwards what are we going to do this time round how can we improve how can we get better and to score I think they scored nearly 50 points away from home yeah. against a team that have been in the final four four times in the last eight or nine years is is an impressive feat um so for me that was a real okay maybe they really mean business and then they haven't they haven't let up at all since then. Um, just the, their ability to to find different gears of uh, over the course of 
um, of the season in Europe, you know, things home, you know, some of the little intricacies, some of the small little um, multi-phase plays, the, the, the um, free kick, you know, touches of little slip passes and loop plays, just I think some of that small stuff, training round stuff, you always get huge pleasure as a as an ex-player looking and going, oh, it's when they come <laughs> off, you know, you just you kind of lick your lips and they'll go, oh, God, you know, we're an all right team. Brilliant. You spot him a mile away. In terms of the uh, European player of the year, Brian, anyone stand out for you? Do you think like uh, he has to win it? Or like, I mean, it's it's going to be tight enough this year. A few Leinster guys and a few Lara Shell guys there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe um, Gary, perhaps. Gary and Kalen, I think, are the two yeah. obvious ones from, uh, from Leinster perspective. Josh has been great and been very... Um, you know, I think he's might have scored five or six tries that, uh, in the competition so far, but um, but I think the other two have probably you know been a, a, just a little bit ahead of him. Um, Aldred is the other one that's nominated from La Rochelle, is that right? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. And, then, and then and then Dupont is he the fifth one? I think it's Dupont, yeah, yeah, yeah. I so. so I think, do you know what? He's been so bloody good this season, even in defeat against you know Lancer, they conceded nearly 50, like switching from nine to ten, like he's a freak show. Um so um, but I do think um yeah, it'll be interesting between for me, it'll be between um Aldrich and 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 Kalen and 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 Gary. Yeah, yeah. Whoever has the big game in the final, I think, will win mm-hmm. it. In terms of our favourite moments, Brian, have you got one that was as a player and maybe perhaps as a fan, like you've been involved for, you've been retired a while now, so you've seen a lot of things, or even when you were playing now, like, is there two, is there I think more you moments back you yeah, not, yeah, I think, um, I think going back and, and not, not, it's not a personal one, but I think what Johnny Sexton did in 2011, you know, and the, and way, the way he spoke to the group, but talk is cheap. And then he went out and scored 28 points. He scored two <laughs> tries in the second half and kicked everything. And he properly led. For me, that was inspiring. And so to be a part of that, and but but ultimately watch someone delivering on their words the way he did was, yeah, a really great memory. And I remember being in a team huddle um, on the pitch afterwards and the Black Eyed Peas tonight's going to be a good night coming on and us all doing some dad dancing in the middle of the <laughs> in the middle of the circle and stuff that was a good night they weren't lying those Black Eyed Peas tonight, no. tonight was going to be a good night <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely brilliant have you noticed that all year like just the, the drive that the lads have had to to challenge for trophies on two fronts um yeah, I suppose we we're we're driven by performance, you know. Kind of obviously, titles are a result of of what you do. Uh, but for me, coaching big emphasis on performance and getting better. If you don't get better, you get beaten. It's a slogan from the Crusaders. But you get better, you get beaten. I like it. It's very simple. It's easy to hear to. So you either have that driving you to get better every day, or you get beaten. So the boys are showing up well uh, so far. Well, you might have thought of Crowley's drop kick at the weekend and, and um, a drop goal and, and what it meant, but Leinster have a whole new squad of players that can almost come in and, and throw up against you at the weekend. Yeah, it was a beautiful drop goal. It was uh, perfect technique and he hit it um, amazingly well. The flight of the ball was, was perfect. Uh, so it was a huge day for Munster. A lot of... Uh, 
suffering in the past so it was great to see the reaction on a lot of their boys faces the staff's faces it meant a lot to them um, yeah so obviously uh, Leinster would be disappointed with that but as you said their focus has been on winning Europe and they've made their plan that that was the team they were going for it was be a completely different team this weekend from Leinster so we're expecting the best version of Leinster and the best version of them is, is, a, is a formidable task so uh, we know how difficult it is going to be but um, we want to test ourselves against the best There was an interesting question about Tawera like and um, the fact that he could end up playing for the Aussies and stuff like that as well it's um, he's, he's some talent isn't he like yeah he's a brilliant player isn't he um, he's forged a pretty awesome career I think over you know over a good number of years now and um, he's become a real real kind of mainstay in that La Rochelle team and um, he's been playing awesome so yeah hopefully he can get a get a chance to come up against him again he obviously missed last year's final through injury so um, yeah, it'll be awesome to to come up against them. The um, there was some talk there. What was it? Uh, James Lowe was doing a talk there, like earlier in the season, and he was talking about like favorite rugby rugby memories and stuff. And for him, he was saying that um, you know, Grand Slams and all, like you know, it's not like you're uh, demoting anything. But for him, he was saying the idea of like beating the All Blacks in New Zealand for him was his his favorite rugby memory as well. W- would it rank really up highly for you for you as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the one in my first one in the in the Aviva as well. Um, I think it was November twenty one. So that was pretty massive as well. Like that was pretty pretty awesome and kind of an emotional day. Um, but yeah, in terms of rugby memories, they're certainly certainly right up there. Obviously, Grand Slam was unbelievably special. Um, I only you know played the last couple of games, but. It was pretty incredible to do that in the Aviva in front of, you know, such a special crowd and um, kind of the moments after. And, like, no one left the stadium. It was, it was brilliant, you know, and um, certainly memories you won't, won't ever forget. Yeah, I remember it was like, even for me, sometimes as a journalist and as a, a writer and broadcaster, you can you can get caught up in the kind of the, the day job and wanting to write everything. But I remember after you guys won that Grand Slam, I remember just sitting back and just standing up and just watching it and watching everybody enjoy it. And I, there was even a nice moment with Paul O'Connell. He would have went, well, you know, won a Grand Slam himself in the past. He was just standing back and watching it all and, and letting you guys soak in the moment. It, it was it was kind of special memories, weren't they? Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Um, like you say, for people like Paulie, who had already been there before, um, kind of soaking it up. And I think that's probably something you get better at with, with age is kind of being able to take a step back and like, look at really what's going on because I think when you're young sometimes you just get caught up in the moment and um, we've actually had a I think Stu played us a, a clip of Kevin Sinfield um, when he won a lot of big games and he said the same thing like as he got on he got more thrills out of kind of just sitting back and watching everyone else enjoy the moment so um, yeah but yeah it's certainly pretty pretty awesome memories like I say that, that stick with you I saw there was even looking on sports file there after one of the last games you had um the daughters out on the pitch as well. Like that's a, a thing that the the like even with Andy Farrell at Ireland, the Leinster seem to do as well, really embracing that kind of the family and it's not just for you, you're playing and you're you're playing for kind of a wider community than that. Is that something that kind of resonates with you? Yeah, 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 massively. Um like I touched on affairs has been working with the kind of family element and 
and same goes for Leinster as well. So we're really trying to grow that part of the game, I think. And um, yeah, those are like moments to save around there. And my my oldest daughter is kind of old enough now to kind of understand what's going on, and she really enjoys being able to get there, get out there on the pitch, and and enjoy those moments. So as well as obviously um, my family, like my wife being in the stands and being able to enjoy those moments. So yeah, it's pretty special. I kind of wanted to take you back there, and it's actually maybe again like the see so you have Gisborne there like in in the photo there behind you on the frame like but um just reading up a little bit about yourself like uh, I spent a year in New Zealand when I was in my 20s I lived in uh, in Auckland but so be aware of a little bit of place but I don't think I ever got out to Great Barrier Island or anything like that what, what was that like as a place to grow up in um it's pretty awesome unique I suppose um like a very small kind of tight-knit community everyone knows each other and it's a pretty big island itself, like landmass wise, but um, in terms of population, it's very small. So, like I say, everyone kind of knows each other, and that was kind of the way I was brought up, you know, and um, kind of a real laid back mindset, which I probably has shaped me to be the person I am today. I think, um, like everyone's always late and <laughs> all that kind of stuff, you know. They're like, that's not me as a professional. I've got better at that, but. Um, that's just kind of the island way of life and um, that was how I was brought up I suppose so yeah like I said it's probably sh- shaped me a lot and um, like sport was massive for me like um, like I'd bike to school every day and then I'd be out on the pitch with the ball and you know it was just kind of one of those ones where you just had to be home before it was dark I was out doing sport every other day so um, that was kind of my upbringing, I suppose, and done a lot of stuff outdoors, fishing and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, so like I say, it probably shaped me in many ways. Okay, guys, so we're down to the final of the European Cup. Leinster, who are a bit hurting after Munster giving them a I don't want to, my eyes get no, caught in the back of my head as they roll. Leinster beating them, or getting beaten by Munster, which is great to see. They're going to be a bit sore, which might help them spur them on to go against La Rochelle. But La Rochelle have the mental edge on them. They beat them the last two years, once in the semi-final, once in the final. So what do we think, guys, leading into the weekend? Lin- Lindsay? Oh, gosh. Okay, I'll be truthful. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll clear my throat to this. I'm a little nervous. I think home advantage will be key. Um, obviously, I said earlier in the show, disrespectful probably wasn't the word. I thought maybe naive, but I do see Brian, Brian's point about blood and new players or blood and the younger players in, in the game against Munster. However, I just hope the gamble is going to play off and the lads are ready. They're well rested. They've had enough. I know they've the season behind them, so it's not like keeping them sharp. But what probably came of the Munster game was we didn't manage the game well. So when we did get into Munster 22, when we get it, did get sniffing that try, we didn't take the pace off the ball. We didn't slow it down. We weren't meticulous in just minding that ball. We kind of matched that really hyperactive rate of play that, that Munster had going and it suited them. It didn't suit Leinster and I thought that was the one thing we deviated. Like we always throughout the season have spoke about Leinster's composure. They always know what to do and I actually thought for the first time this season against Munster so they, they didn't look like they had the answers. The only other time I've seen them in that situation was last year's final against La Rochelle, where they were kind of void of answers and they didn't have everything their own way. So I think even more so the mental side of this game for me, whatever about the skill set, whatever about the game plan, um, that has to be key for me this weekend. And I'm wondering, will the home venue be a curse 
or will it be an added bonus for like a 24th man um, to just galvanise him? And I hope, considering the way the lads speak about the Aviva and the crowd and, you know, times they've played there this season and obviously as a lot of Irish internationals they're well used to Aviva, I hope I it's the the latter that the, it will really add to them. Yeah, it seems mad looking back now about Leinster that they got into finals in the last two, three years and they just can't seem to get over the line. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is because in my opinion, they're still the best team in Europe by far. Their whole squad's incredible, but they just can't get that win when it comes to crunch time. And why do you think that is, Pat? Do you think they can do it this weekend, get over that hump? Yeah, I'm still sitting in the aura of Brian or Brian Havana. I know, how here, are you like, finding that chair now with him? It's it it feels like I'm not filling it as well as as he did there as well. Possibly <laughs> not, but that's okay. No, I don't. The aura definitely not as well. But no, yeah, like it's it's interesting. I would have thought, um, Deb, like you know, because they're stacked. It's basically the Irish team. The fact that they won the Grand Slam was going to stand to a lot of them, and the pressure of having to kind of win big games at home mm. and and kind of clinch the Grand Slam, you know, that was that's kind of that'll all surely stand to them. I think uh, as well. Like the other thing is like. There's a weird part because like I've been at Ireland games and now being at that like that Leinster Munster game again when things aren't going well because we almost expect this team to win all the time now when things aren't going well the crowd get really quiet and that's a big concern that happened against Munster as well there's nothing for the crowd to cheer mm. so La Rochelle will be looking at that and saying if we can do that again because it's a mad how nervous the crowd gets and it's like oh god you know like you'd be expecting going to win so this Munster game you just hope to God like Leinster fans I'm sure they'll be in big voice. But they need to get right behind that team right from the start and, and get really behind everything and cheer all the big moments and and really kind of urge them on. They can't just sit there waiting for it to be a procession. And I think the fact that they did lose to them last year and they've now lost to Munster, the crowd will hopefully go there and kind of give it everything as well. And that will get behind the team. And then the other thing is like, yeah, I'd be nervous as well. Uh, but then I kind of I was doing a little bit of like you know putting this, some of the script together for the show last night and just that Leinster starting fifteen. If that's that starting fifteen. Where I'll, I'll just reel it off quickly. Porter, Sheehan, Furlong, Maloney, or Bard with James Ryan. Then you have Doris, Van der Fleer, Conan, James Gibson Park, Ross Byrne, James Lowe should be back, Henshaw, Ringrose, Jimmy O'Brien, or Larmer on the right wing, and then Hugo Keenan. That is a effing great team. Like mm. So like if you just kind of look at it like that, these lads are primed for it. I think they're going to do it. Um, I was more nervous maybe after the semi, after I saw what La Rochelle did to... Uh, Exeter but now maybe I, I, sometimes I get a bit delirious as the game gets closer mm. and I kind of get a bit and then on the match day itself I'd be like oh shit <laughs> we're going to do this but I think they're going to do it because they have such a great team and they have the grand slam behind them and then the crowd hopefully just need to go big behind them because the La Rochelle fans made a big difference last year in Marseille and it's time for payback You made a great point about the crowd the one thing actually I noticed from the Munster game was they kept booing like Frank Murphy had a few mm. what they deemed dodgy decisions um, and they were booing and I was like like the first one or two boos was fine but then I was like no lads we need to kind of get behind them because every time it was all always those little feeders of momentum and you know even the Munster crowd you could just all oh, the cameras just always went to them and they're up out of their seats and they're nearly targeted in Leinster you know <laughs> fans you know and it was it was a real derby it was a cracking match like it had everything how many blood injuries were there Ben Healy Robbie Henshaw had blood coming out of him um, Archer's thrown Keen Healy a slap you know there was just it was just a real derby match. And mm. yeah, the only thing was I just felt, yeah, Munster came out of that kind of a little bit, you know, they were a little bit more balshy and I was disappointed at that. That's yeah, it was Munster of old. 
And then I know it's a group of young fellas like you have your Coombses and Shane Daly's and all these guys. And you just see that they would have grown up watching the 06 win and the 08 win. And they just brought that fight out. Mm. And it was beautiful to see. And we'll see what wants to do now against Stormers. But, but um, you know the difference actually, don't know, Callum made a great question to Graham Roundtree in this post-match. And he said, do you know the old monster guard? He said, you know, we'd be going for points. And he said, you went to the corner. And Graham Roundtree said, yeah, we're learning. And we, you know, to win big in these games now, you have to go and score tries. And we had made that decision mm. and they didn't play it safe because Jack Crowley went to the corner and he could have taken three points. I think they were only one point behind at that stage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't. And that was another big point for Crowley. What I loved as a player is a 10 who had confidence and knew a game plan. And every time that went out for a set piece, he'd be calling his set piece play off a five man off the top, whatever he was calling. He was so confident. And that was a huge difference for me, for him when he sat in at 10. Yeah, it's great to see as well. Actually, when I turned on my phone the day after Munster won, I had messages from Craig oh, yeah, Casey yeah. and Jack Crowley. Why didn't I get a message from Craig Casey? I've been thrown in. Craig, if you're yeah, listening, just... hon, I've been giving you love from the start of the season to the very end. So I'll drop my phone number and you can give me a thank <laughs> you text very as well. upset when I mention anyone. I'll bring you out sometime. You can meet all these people. But I know, Ex- I grew up with Do you know them. why? You are giving me no credit yeah, this yeah. morning. Shit. No credit Craig at Casey's all. a Shannon man and I know Jack Crowley from tra- training with him and they saw my prediction. I have picked Craig Gates as my nine for so this I, season. I'm going to give my prediction for right, here, Leicester go. and La Rochelle. <gasps> you just went there? Right, go. I think because Munster shook up Leinster, that they have tuned them in in a way that they weren't tuned in last year. Leinster went all last year without losing and got to the final and they didn't know what to do when they got into that position where they were going to lose. They've felt it now against Munster, so Munster did you a favour. Going into against La Rochelle in Aviva. I think Leinster are going to win. It's going to be a high scoring game in the Aviva. Leinster are going to win and it's going to be by like at least more than one score. So it's going to be, if I have to give an actual score, I'm going to say 24 uh, 15 to Leinster is what I'm going to say and I think they're going to really put in a big performance because they're going to tune in mentally now and they're not letting this happen again three years ago against La Rochelle and they're hurting against Munster what do you think? I'm just waiting for afterwards because the, the WhatsApp blowing up if you, when, when you get it right again and <laughs> I hope to God you get it right as well uh, no being objective of course uh, just because it'd be fair to share it out you know, yeah like, go ahead um, but yeah, I, I can see that. You just, you just know, like the La Rochelle team are stacked as well. Like just a crazy team, like crazy talent. And they've been able to rest a good few guys as well. Like, but um, you'll see they'll be trying to slow the game down as well. And they'll be trying to take moments off Leinster, not let them get any m- momentum. But uh, they've got to be better for it this year. Like, because they, yeah. like, they were nullified so much that they're, they're going to be ready for it. Like, it's almost like they've just been pulled to the side. And it's like, I'm sure they've been kick- knocking the heads off each other in training as well. Like, but... um. Yeah, they're. I think I think they're. I think they'll do it. Like and um again, like maybe if if it's kind of a fifty fifty, is the home crowd gonna go in their favor as well? And um, someone gonna make a big play as well. Like, but if they if they need to, I think if if they can get themselves a good start, like Ireland did in in all the nearly all the Grand Slam games, Ireland went out against New Zealand. They'd be scoring a try in the first ten minutes. If they mm. can do something like that again, then I think it'll go in their I think, favor. Yeah, that's what Brian said in his interview. Jason, the first twenty minutes will be key with this, mm. and I think the same thing. But uh, that was another. I was kind of thinking of the same one thing. You 
you guys did at Munster was targeted our breakdown our set piece and that's what La Rochelle did last year and that's what they'll do again this year especially line out because it's such a launch playoff we're so successful so I think 20 minutes absolutely come out like raging bulls and I think they need to set the tone aggression wise and absolutely blow La Rochelle players now I mean blow them with intent off the ball um, anywhere they get a sniff of our breakdown Um so if they need to go by the Nina bar, you know, analogy about whatever they feel that ball is, then do what you got to do. Yeah. But I think, I think it will be five five point difference uh, for a Leinster win. I think it's going to be so tight, to be honest. Um, do I go that? I'll go 29-24. Yeah, we're similar enough mindset. So me and you, Lindsay. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Can I, can I throw something at you, Greg, if you don't mind? And, and Lindsay as well. It's like, because it's such a mad weekend. I was trying to even explain it to Katrina, my wife. I couldn't even get my head around how big a weekend of sport this is. I know, we've Katie Taylor as well. Did anyone yeah. forget this? We start on Friday. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Katie, like I was going to say, you have the PGA Golf, you have the, the GAA Football Championship mm-hmm. starts going against each other. The Premier League is nearly going to be decided as well. And then we have a Champions Cup, a Challenge Cup in, in Dublin, and then with the Katie Taylor fight. I was wondering... Are you guys going to be tuning into Katie Taylor as well at the weekend after after the, the Leinster game? Yes. Yeah. Hopefully someone course. might throw a ticket and we can go. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, uh, I think she's going to be on around 10 o'clock that night. Um, Liverpool got a good three points against Leicester last night, <laughs> Mr. Manchester United. So that was a good thing. Um, I think it's going to be an absolutely crazy weekend of sport and I can't wait for it. Um, not too much into golf yet, but certainly <laughs> from Friday right the way through. Um, yeah. yeah it'll be Lord. a beautiful weekend of sport. I actually think Katie Taylor is the best athlete to come out of Ireland full stop men women all young I just think what she's done for sport in general especially being for Irish for boxing and she's female sport she's undisputed world champion and hasn't been beaten in donkeys like and she's gone down a weight division am I right for this I think uh, uh, I think she's light featherweight uh, yeah she's definitely yeah. changing division this weekend yeah um, what she's done is amazing just you know right? yeah fair play so hopefully she can get the win as well but I do think Leinster deserve it but both teams, La Rochelle and Leinster, rested a lot of people on the weekend, obviously. Outlast. We spoke about the Munster one and uh, Leinster lost. La Rochelle also rested a lot of players and they lost to Montpellier, even though they have a home semi-final in the bag anyway in top 14. Mm. Um, so it's going to be two fresh squads going against each other mm. in the Aviva Stadium. So it's going to be a big one. Hopefully there'll be the Irish fella out in the land on the La Rochelle yeah, side. So yeah. if it doesn't go the way we're thinking, there might be one Irish guy lifting the I really trophy. like And Raj, obviously. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> I told Jason this year, because he did a pitch invasion last year after they they, they beat, uh, La Rochelle beat Leinster and he was on the pitch with Donica Ryan and, and Raj. I was like, no pitch invasions this year now, Jason, because I think he's going along with, he's doing behind the scenes stuff with BT Sport again. Very lucky oh, there. So I've just told him, no matter what happens, stay on that sideline there. Like, but, don't be surprised if you see a Munster jersey running on again if it all goes Jason, wrong. Jason, do oh you, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, take your moment, Jason. I do think one thing, massive thing, obviously, that La Rochelle have in their backroom staff is Raj. Mm. And he's going to come up with some sort of play, some sort of plan to come against Leinster because he would have watched the Munster game and be like, oh, that's how they got them there, that's how they got them there. On top of what he's already figured yeah. out about how to break yeah. down Leinster. So is that a worry, do you think? Yeah, hugely. I think... You know, damn you anyway when you're crystal ball because on the way driving in here, I was like, do you know what? Did, were they in cahoots with Rog prior to that semi final? Because they did play Leinster's game against Leinster. Like they double tackled, they stopped the ball, they stopped any offloads, they won the game line both sides, defense and attack, as we said earlier in the show. And it was just a different mentality. They're kicking, um, you know, their turnovers. They just were a different team. And 
the depth that came in with the Witcherlies, Jack O'Donoghue, they lost Jean Klein, they lost Pio Manny early on. They just were different. Mm. They just had this galvanised belief about them. And I think that was the key they went into with all the interviews I heard. It was just about belief, belief, belief. Mm. And the fact that Mr. Crowley was so calm in his post-match, I was like, you knew you were going to win. Damn you. Yeah, I think the other thing Munster have that La Rochelle won't have is Munster have that local derby great, like the younger brother, like underdog mm. kind of vibe. That yeah, but they you Fran France-Ireland. Like, that's what I think will shine true for Roger. I think that's where he'll kind of be poking the French bear saying no this is you know France yeah, but the thing with that is not, not many of the franchise play with La Rochelle you see they won't have that like experience of getting bait in the Grand Slam by Ireland you know they wouldn't be like oh they are French that might no be I suppose bit. the rival just the sense of rivalry I think he will still well Kerr Barlow yeah. then like well you're not back in the international prove them like he'll just find the key to unlock everyone's like inner beast do you know what I mean it's going to be an interesting one for sure I can't wait for it if your and crystal ball fails this week and we lose that's it I'm just trying to use this crystal ball for Leinster <laughs> here you go because you know I like you too you're my yeah. I know and you as long as it's an Irish team I'm happy I know um, and then we have Brian Habana's old side Toulon going up against Glasgow Warriors on Friday night in the Challenge Cup and you mentioned Pat mm. um Mad fact that you pulled up is that it's Toulon's fifth Challenge Cup final yeah. and they've lost all the other four. <laughs> yeah, no isn't that crazy? Way. Like, yeah. That is I feel like being back in a Dublin jersey, we went through yeah. so many losses. You just, how do you come back? Surely it's this time. Surely yeah. this weekend is their time. Yeah, yeah. You would, again, like we, like Greg mentioned that, like it's like a PlayStation team a couple of weeks ago. Like they're, I was actually saying, I was looking back at Brian Havana's career and that 2014, 2015 Toulon side. Ridiculous. was absolutely insane. Like, but, but yeah, they're not quite as star-studded as them, but still have stacked full of talent mm. as well so if they have their uh, if they can finally get over the hump and kind of get there as well like, if they I, got I crazy um, Dan Bigger Colby yeah. um, oh they've, they've yeah, they're they're star studded Olive yeah. on, they yeah. have like Olive on, yeah. Olive on. Yeah, she's yeah, they're huge they the incredible team like yeah um, and another mad stat before we start wrapping up the show Pat that you came up with was only five teams have ever won a semi-final mm. game away from home in the URC Tyg Byrne has been a starter on three of those teams. Isn't that crazy? What is it about Tyg Byrne that just gets it done in semi-finals away? Yeah, he's. do you know what? He was another, I was like, damn, you have coming back from injury. Do you know, the weekend he was, he was just, he did all the key areas. Like he was just that, he was just an usual self, to be honest. And yeah. he was, he just goes about his business so under the radar, but is so key and efficient. And even that set piece, you know, just winning line outs and winning turnovers and, um, yeah, I think he, you know, you know, when we talk about those romantic t stages in life where that love that got away, then start kicking themselves, they let that go. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I got on to him because I remember his, his season was supposed to be over, like Keith Earls, mm -hmm. his season was supposed to be over. And I got on to him a few weeks ago and said, you know, would you be able to come on mm -hmm. to House of Rugby before the season's out? And he was just like, uh, maybe not just the timing's not great at the moment. And I was thinking because Munster were like, this is when they were, before they went to South Africa, they were mm. losing a few games. He's like, time is not great. Give me a shout. I might come on soon. Little did I know he was, you know, Getting planning back. to come back. And then he came back and absolutely brilliant when he got back again. Yeah. And yeah, what a, what a class player. A guy who was going to quit rugby to go and do like a kind of business or economics kind of get into that kind of line yeah. of work. And then just an agent reached out to him and said, do you want me to try and find your club? Jeez. Ended up in Scarlet's. I think Aaron Shingler once had their a baby was due, so he got thrown in to play a game. Mm. Never Rest looked back. Like, yeah, Rest incredible. So you got mad rugby stories. I've, I heard one on the weekend at the. So I was working at the Toulouse Sevens. I was actually commentating for the first time. Which you was were great, by the way. Congrats! Thank you so much. I was I was very <laughs> nervous doing it now. 
because you're exposed and that's it and it's your sport it's your passion you have to know what you're talking about and like getting the names right and stuff yeah mm. but i was i was what's called a second voice you've done it a couple yeah. of times it's nice to feed off someone else yeah event. there's yeah, a lead commentator like just play by play and then you just kind of drop in your opinion so it actually wasn't even you had a little moment with jordan get the ball to this my boy guy jordan Conroy, yeah. so he looked straight at the camera but a mad story is there's a guy who plays in the wing for new zealand called solo his surname Solo, which is cool surname. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And in the um, in the final, he went around Marcus Moneta, who's the top try scorer in the world, mm. went around him twice. And this young guy Solo, he played New Zealand under twenties, and then he did his ACL, which oh, is the, one of the worst yeah. injuries you can get in sport, out for at least nine months. And he was coming back from that after playing New Zealand twenties and was only playing like local club mm. rugby, and he. Got Clark Laidlaw's number. Clark Laidlaw is the head coach of the New Zealand Sevens and texted him and he's like, any chance I can have a shot? How do I make it into the New Zealand Sevens team? And Clark Laidlaw rang him back and said, all right, come on, come in for a session. We'll see what you're like. He came in and now he scored ah. the two tries in the final of the two Sevens and is arguably one of the best players in Sevens rugby now playing on the wing for New Zealand. Oh and my that God. Incredible. Like to just have just the, twist your face, that's, yeah. That's but it, just yeah. taking your shot, like mm. just like he had nothing to lose. Yeah. And now look, at, and he was incredible. I think he got player to final and everything. And the thing with New Zealand sevens is it's used as a stepping stone to go back into Super Rugby and into the All Blacks team. Like so, he'll probably end up going the whole way now. Wow, isn't that yeah. amazing? That's a nice way to always have a door open, isn't it? Yeah, it is. it is. It's really really cool. Yeah. Both um, men's and women's New Zealand teams won. They did. Lose, they did. Yeah. Both series are decided now. Um, both New Zealand, obviously, and then Argentina Sevens have qualified for the Olympics and uh, France, obviously, because it's on in France. And then the Irish women qualified mm -hmm. and we mentioned Congrats, it earlier. Yeah. And we just want to give, obviously, them that never stop competing moment of the week together at Bank of Ireland. Just mm. seeing the women win that was just incredible. Um, we've Mr. Brian Abana trying to sneak back in here now. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to come in and give your predictions for the European final? I'll take my seat. I'll, I'll get yeah. out of here. We're... You did great, Pat, though. Thank you. Subbed off. Shit. <laughs> the sub, it was subbed back off. All up. Yeah. So we just quickly went through the European finals that are coming on this weekend. Yes. And we're looking ahead to La Rochelle and Leinster, obviously. Yeah. And they're both rested to... They basically put out their B squads this weekend. Yeah. La Rochelle lost away to Montpellier. Mm -hmm. Leinster lost to Munster, as we mentioned. But they're both going to be fully stacked this weekend. Cool. How do you see it going? We all made I our mean, predictions. 100%. I, I mean, just I understand the Champions Cup is obviously the creme de la creme. But we haven't mm -hmm. talk, spoken about Challenge Cup. I mean, Toulon. Are, and we're going to go to Toulon as well. We yeah. did. We mentioned that it's their fifth final. They've lost the previous four. Oh, so we're yeah. hoping they might get over the yeah, line this week. Again, so, um, La Rochelle, again, I think what they did last year under Raj was just absolutely brilliant. Um, if the big boys step up, I'm not quite sure if Will Skelton's going to be ready. And there's sort of talks that he might be injured, might not be injured. So, But if he comes on, you can imagine it's going to be a big bruising. I just honestly believe that the starting, you know, Lancer team, uh, basically the Irish team. Um, <laughs> no, no disrespect to the Master Boys. Uh, but yeah, I think the Lancer have just got too much. At the Viva, you feel a you know, capacity crowd. There will be quite a few traveling Lorichal supporters, mm -hmm. uh, which will be great. There might be a few traveling Munster supporters wearing La Rochelle jerseys. Um, <laughs> you can guarantee it, let me tell you. At, at the Viva, I'm here with CJ um, Stander as well at the moment. And he, I think he's already got his, his La Rochelle jersey on for the weekend. So I just do think Leinster have got too much. I think what the Irish boy, what the Irish lads did with the, you know, with the Six Nations, the Grand Slam win was incredible. They'll be feeding off that confidence. Um, you know, get up by the likes of 
Johnny's not playing, but they want to send him mm. off in, in style. And he'll be in the stand somewhere, not maybe on the bench, maybe in the Where do you think of the key areas? Like if Leinster are going to win it, where do you think they're going to beat La Rochelle and vice versa? If that's not so too if you look at, again, the URC last weekend where they slipped up is that ability to allow momentum for the opposition side. So defensively, you know, the to stop the offloads, La Rochelle yeah. literally throw things from anyone. I mean, we saw UJ Satuini, like that offload and you know, the semi-final was just mind-blowing so it is about you know stopping the momentum but stopping the ability for larishal to play in terms of you know, getting the ball i mean if Partey gets on the field like, you need to you need to bring them down um mm-hmm. and tj pernara has been or tj pernara has just been phenomenal in his bossing around so you feel that um you know if they if they get the momentum in terms of the physical combat you know Lightness. And the confidence, really, because his out, he had another out the back yeah. pass in the semi final against Exeter. I was like, that's just rude. Like, two tries like, that day. Two tries that day. Um, so he's key to the Larishal cause. But I think they'll just go in like last year. Um, everyone's going to be writing them off. And I think there could be an upset. But that being said, I just think at the Aviva, Leinster wanting to you know, end the season off well, send Johnny off on a great note. Mm. I think a handful of points, but I'm going to go and Leinster win. So me and Lindsay's tall as well. We I'm went by five, it. yeah. Close enough, yeah. didn't we? Well, um, we want to ask you, Where did you go? What did you go? I said Leinster by just, what did I say, 24, 15 or something like that. So Leinster by a couple of points. I said 29, yeah. 24, yeah. Leinster. I, I don't want to go scores. I think there's going to be a handful of points in it, which will hopefully mean that yeah. I think if Larishal are within a handful of points with four minutes to go, I'm... This is my fear. It'll be another <laughs> drop goal moment or something. I'm like last you, minute yeah, try. I'm like, please. Nah. Well, well, I want to ask your the mindset around all this, yeah. Brian. So uh, in the last two years, La Rochelle have beaten Leinster in the semi-final two years ago. In the, the final, final last year, yeah. Munster just beat Leinster in the semi-final. So would that mindset help tune Leinster in being like, hey, we really have to get ourselves together now for this final? Or do you think that's going to be a monkey on their back that's just holding them back and they can't get over that line? So are we talking about the, the Champions Cup? We're talking about not, Ireland not progressing past the quarterfinals of a World Cup. So where, where, where are we going? Oh, you went so, there. Sorry, oh. sorry, sorry to go psyche. Sorry. Oh, Open that door. He has to leave again. <laughs> so I don't have to leave again. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Ireland South Africa is twenty twenty. Here we go. Gloves are off, boys. King Jake. I think it's set up for an incredible rugby World Cup. But we are talking Champions Cup. I honestly think, and I think it's the confidence that I've seen from particularly the Leinster boys in the Six Nations and, and what they did in that Grand Slam. And mm. you get to a point where it's not a monkey on your back. Um, you have to just go out there and, and deliver the goods. And what better an opportunity to do it in front of mostly your home supporters at the Aviva? Yeah. And I just think the Leinster lads will be up for that. Um, they won't be thinking about the previous years. For them, it will all be about living in this moment and you know, capitalizing on an opportunity that might not ever you know, cross their paths again. Um, and I think with that conference that's hopefully come now through to the Six Nations, yes, they lost last week, but I don't think they'll take too less of a conference given what happened in the URC you know, semi-final because it it was an unstructured way of what, what we normally see from Leinster. So I... It would be though a catastrophe really thinking about it, wouldn't it? Because it would. they've built, like since Stuart Lancaster, yeah. you know, came in after his disaster tenure with mm. England, he has revolutionised mm. Leinster rugby Bod would have said that in his interview as well, just the amount of investment, the amount of development, the, you know, everything that feeds structure, into Leinster. Structure. This team actually, boys, you will never be together again. Like um, I think Nick McCarthy has talked about going to the States because he's now USA qualified. Um, you know, Stuart himself will move on to Racing. Uh, we've obviously Jacques and Nina Barr coming in to, to help out. So there will be that transition time. Obviously, yeah. great stock and has done great yeah. things. So we're looking forward to that. But this team won't be together again. Johnny Sexton will retire. So 
it is, we've all been there. There are these small defining moments. You either grasp them with two hands or you do not. And you like, you still carry scars of those mm. losses more than the wins. And, and I think that I don't want to get too far from a star collection behind Toulouse. Um, so they would have uh, been disappointed losing it last year. And they'd want to put another star on that jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that fifth star would be absolutely incredible. And equal so, to lose. Yeah. yeah, equal to lose yeah. Um, and get, get their powerhouse dominance of European rugby. So... I mean, if they do, it'll it'll be catastrophic, not yeah. in terms of what it means, but I think for these players that have given so much, that have come through this tenor, you know, mm-hmm. never have this opportunity again, you're leaving. So it'll be catastrophic in terms of the expectation, they're not living up to it, but you just feel there's there's something brimming appropriately in this Lancer team to to do something historic and get that fifth star, yeah. in my opinion. Oh, I'm having a Greg yeah. moment. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. I'm going to feed my I, inner Greg. They deserve it as well, because they've been at the top of the European game for the last couple of years and they have nothing really to show for it they keep losing at the final hurdle I do want to see it because of the Irish side as well yeah, and absolutely. La Rochelle have enough cups now it's Leinster, Leinster's turn again so nothing against Ron Nogara as an Irish lad thank but Ronan's done his bit like <laughs> now yeah yeah but I think I also said before, when you were gone there for a couple of minutes I was like the only thing that La Rochelle have in their back room that really scares me in a Leinster perspective is Raj and his mindset and picking out how to beat them and Munster just showed another couple of reasons how to beat Leinster as well I know they were on that phone to him do you think? Yeah, they absolutely <laughs> were. Chris the ball and phone calls. That's what yeah. happened last week. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great game. Another game on just before it is your old club, Toulon, playing against Glasgow Warriors on Friday night in the Challenge yeah. Cup. Fifth final Challenge Cup final Toulon are in. You've lost the other four, Brian. What's going yeah. on? Like, I never played Challenge Cup. Um, <laughs> just get that out there. Just get about that. <laughs> They were playing the challenge cup. No, I mean, they've been there, thereabouts. I think last year, again, very much like Leinster going into the Viva. I think, you know, going up the road to the, the Velodrome last year against a Lyon side that was, you know, there, thereabouts, but not really. Then we had like some Joshua Tussava, Pierre Mignoni sort of, you know, orchestrating this incredible win. And I thought it was, an, I mean, they were, the amount of Toulon supporters that were in the Velodrome that Friday night last year, I thought like, even before the game, I said, no, let's, uh, let's just sign up. Let's just put their name on the trophy. But again, credit to Leon, very much like La Rochelle, you know, came in all odds stacked against them and took a somewhat inexperienced Toulon side and just absolutely dominated them. Glasgow this season have also, uh, under Franco Smith, have done some great things. Uh, I chatted to uh, Ryan Wilson as well. And I mean, someone you know, that's been institutional like him's not in, mm. the, in the pickings because, you know, Franco's running a different direction and he's galvanized his Glasgow side brilliantly. Would the travel have affected Toulon, you think? Um, they haven't gone too well in the top 14. I think it's a mid-table, 7th or 8th at the moment. So they haven't qualified for uh, Champions, Champions Cup, Cup again yeah. next season, which means this is their only opportunity to get into a Champions Cup. And it's been a hiatus of a number of years, which is unbeknown to a star-studded. But then you have the likes of a Gabin Villiers back, Chesan Colby's back, uh, Charles Olivon is playing mm-hmm. some, some brilliant rugby again, you know, coming back from injuries. Horace so, has been turned back to years. 40 years old. I mean, that. I mean, the 83 generation was a class generation, but mm. as the 83 generation goes, Sergio Parisi is without a doubt Ridiculous. the king on top of that mountain. So, <laughs> I, again, with the, with my heart, I'm really you know hoping that Toulon can pitch up. Um, and they've had some incredible games at the Viva previously, mm-hmm. you know, beating Leinster you know, in a few of the Champions Cups that we got to play in over here. Uh, they beat Clermont in that final um, in 2013 to start that European dominate, dominance with the very infamous... Mm. Uh, Dylan Armitage 
hand up in the air before scoring the try, which was at you know, at the Viva. So yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll probably recall some of those historic mm. moments. Um, and we were actually in Toulon a few weeks ago for the opening of the Hall of Fame. And there does seem a really good buzz about the side. I think they want to like, let go of the shackles of the past and start creating you know, new memories, new legacies, because it's literally been an eight-year you know, trophyless um, you know, it's probably not good enough for a club yeah, of yeah, that yeah, caliber yet. Yeah. So I'm going to go to Lon. I'm actually going to think, you know, if they do go, it will be by more than a, a handful of points. And I think there'll be like an eight point buffer in it. Um, yeah. I'd love to see some, I'd love to see Ches and Colby like drop, drop a drop kick over from 50 meters out like it in the top <laughs> 14 final of 2021. Wow. He's like, it's, but it's great to see Gabon Villier back. Um, you know, they got some real class out the back. Their forwards are dominating uh, physically. Bigger's playing well as well. Bigger's you know, playing well. I mean, Kudos team. I mean, his French is absolutely brilliant for for season one, and he's putting the rest of us to shame. We were there for for a long, <laughs> a long time. Um, but yeah, you just feel there. There's a bit of consistency in how they're going. You know, a few flair players at the back, but some real brutes up front, which will hopefully go well for them. So with my with yeah. my heart and maybe a bit with my head, I'm going to go Toulon by eight. Yeah, I agree nice. with you for sure. Yeah, I think we're all going Toulon, are we? It's going to be an amazing weekend of rugby for sure, and sport in general with Katie Taylor yeah. fighting as well in Dublin. You might get along to that. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Um, yeah. So I'll just be at the Viva. What time is that on? It's yeah. after the lens. No, 10 o'clock, I think she's the. Uh, yeah, there's a few undercards starting at five. So she's How just far in the three. Is it from the Aviva? It's actually not far. She's in the, the three arena. So just across the river. Yeah. Oh, she's Brian Ravana's Instagram now on Sunday night. That's yeah. Katie Taylor. <laughs> I mean, we, we saw Francois Hochard on a poker table with uh, Conor McGregor. Did you see that? Yeah, a I did. A few weeks ago. That. I was like, Hoke. And I think Conor McGregor is actually. He's loaded tickets for this fight, if I'm led to believe in social media. He's one of the... He's just handing them out, is he? Yeah, well, well, no, he was doing a competition. And sure, he, he met Eddie Hearn, I think, in his pub there mm. yesterday. Okay. So, yeah. But, I mean, you got courtside. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's inviting us. Me and Pat are going. Uh, this is an official yeah. invitation, so I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> how many spares have you got? I have no tickets just yet, but no, I'm hoping to get some. <laughs> if anyone has any tickets to throw, Brian and Banner's way, myself, yeah. Greg's and Pat's, we're, we're welcome. Yes, we're we're sure. available. I'm actually going to be over to London Sevens. Yeah, yeah, I'm going over to so we that. can get your tickets in. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay, probably filling your space because you're over here, so I'm yeah. doing your job over in London. <laughs> that's cute. That's very cute. Yeah, isn't it? Teamwork. So, uh, opening up the Red Polo Gang for you, that's how we go. That's a yeah, <laughs> spare Red Polo for me. Um, you brought it up there, the World Cup. Little matter coming up this September, yeah. October time. Death pool. Death pool. Ireland, Scotland, South Africa. How do you see it going? Ireland are number one in the world. Mm. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it now. 100%. South Africa are the reigning champs. South Africa are the reigning champs. You do feel that that side of the draw, um, you know, two of the top four teams in the world don't get through to a semi-final. Three of the top five don't get through to a semi-final, <laughs> given the fact that the draw was done three years ago, obviously for logistical mm. reasons and, and all the whatnot. But you look at France, you know, 12 out of 12 last year. Um, a new record for a them. New, a new record for them, unbeaten, I think, first time since the 70s, which is incredible. Led impeccably well by the likes of Anton Dupont, Sean Olivier, mm. Damien Pernod. Can we please just have a minute to talk about how a brilliant rugby player incredible. he is at the moment? Absolutely incredible. And Ramos. Thomas Ramos. I mean, the skill set. I mean, the the calmness with which he does things. I mean, that kick in the in the Champions Cup. The kick pass. The kick pass. Oh, and I think that was the key to us winning when he went off for his yellow card. Yeah. I was like, see ya. Thanks yeah. very much. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Do I have a yellow card? Um, <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you, you're controversial <laughs> since your return. Um... <laughs> No, I think we're lined up for what, in my opinion, is going to be the toughest World Cup to win. Um, and the reason I'm saying that, you, know, you have your top four teams battling out to get into a semi-final. You have Eddie Jones, who's now moved to Australia, you know, a renowned World Cup coach specialist in terms of what he's done. You know, Australia 03, he was with us in 07 with the Springboks. 
caused that upset in Brighton in, in 2015, mm-hmm. uh, that ridiculous win against the All Blacks in 2019. Yeah. Yes. So Eddie's a you know astute Rugby World Cup coach. How England let him go and then allow him to coach in Australia. And, and he'll come back to bite him, I think. Might come back to bite a little him. Bit. And I, I mean, a lot of Eddie's success comes in that first year tenor. A lot of the success comes in that first year tenor. So it's going to be interesting. But you rightly say, you know, Ireland, given their dominance in the in the Grand Slam, yes, there might be one or two injury concerns. Uh, but you go into this World mm-hmm. Cup as the number one team in the world. He beat South Africa, um, you know, showed France uh, in a winning streak how they cannot get ahead of themselves. Um, mm. I think the French in France are going to be hectically under pressure. It is in without a doubt my mind the fact that this is the best French team we've ever seen. Yeah. And not just 1-15, to 15, almost like 1-30. to 30. Um, You know, those guys that yeah. Fabian Gauthier has brought in. So it's tasty. Again, with my heart. I really hope that South Africa going in very much under the radar. Um, That's a scary thing, though, that South Africa kind of gone quiet and Razzy Rasmus is yeah, doing something down something. there. I mean, we didn't get... Oh, he's plotting something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's a very... But again, our biggest distraction is the fact that our club rugby is being played in the Northern Hemisphere. Our international rugby is being played in the Southern Hemisphere with the rugby championships and how that goes. We play Wales and the All Blacks up in the Northern Hemisphere ahead of the tournament. So, I mean, I think they're over in... Europe and the UK for eight, no, for 10 weeks. So they go all the way through to a final, which is a lot. You long... have nice chess matches. Yeah. Who are we playing? Uh, they announced one last week. Anyway, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Samoa as well. Yeah. Samoa as well, yeah. Um, Wales, maybe. Yeah. So I think that's for us. So, under, under the radar, um, you know, again, the, we mm. also have one or two key injuries. We saw you know, Captain Inspirational Sia Khaleesi go down a few Will weeks ago. Will he make ago. it back? I actually saw him uh, two weeks ago and he's... He seems very confident. Yeah, um, I'm not writing that fella off. No, I think he's just yeah. I think there's a lot about about him men- mentally, inspirationally that will hopefully have. But under the radar, which I think is is really good, and that that's where they love to be. You know, where there was a lot of controversy off the field last year. Um, you know, from various aspects for mm-hmm. for this African team, and there hasn't been much this year, which I think is great. There's been a lot of preparation camps. I think you'd be stupid to write off the All Blacks. Um, oh my God! Yeah. I think it'd be super. So, it is going to be the toughest World Cup to win. You know, however you go at. Um, with my heart, I'm obviously hoping that the South African team, you know, would be able to do something special. Mm. It's going to be a tough route to get to actually then win this World Cup. But you feel the confidence that Ireland have got now at the moment. Um, yes, you know, they've beaten South Africa. They've beaten New Zealand. I mean, that win, win in, the series win in New Zealand last year was probably one of the most incredible performances mm. I've seen by any team in New Zealand. In rugby yeah. history, um, and you know, then you know back that up beating the French this year, um, you, yeah. you think that there's uh, a lot of good things. So the pressure the French are going to be on is going to be tough. Again, Ireland, number one team in the world, heading into 2019, mm. then also lost to Japan. <laughs> so yeah. hopefully that's not a monkey on their back. Uh, yeah. But you, you almost feel with your head, it's almost Ireland and France's to lose, given the fact that they're the number one and two team in the world at the moment. But you know, yeah, my heart under the radar. Springboks and Garden create more history by winning back to back. Oh my oh, god! Oh, you heard huge. it here first. Yeah, I can't wait. It's an incredible amount of rugby all ahead of us. Yeah, mm. and we want to thank you, Mr. Brian Abana, for coming in. You're amazing. Thank, thank you. Thank you. It's been an Lovely. honor, Lindsay. Thank you as always thank you. for your expertise. Congratulations, by the way. Oh my! Just to make sure you know, I'm I actually genuinely like that monster are back. Thank you, thank you. And you wanted me to sing the oil, I believe. Yeah, let's go. Monster one. Do you know what the oil is? No, we'll all. Pat, you come back on for this now. <laughs> Hold on, I get my words out. Well, no, I'm not a singer. That, that? <laughs> I'm a fighter. Is all the monster? The oil is is Shannon RC, which is my local club, yeah. and a monster song okay. um, that I said I'd sing if uh, Monster won the game. 
But you don't have to sing it because I can just sing it out if you want. Well, yeah. Do you know you know I'll, do? I'll just stay here then for it. Then. Yeah, come on. It's <laughs> like a concert. Do you want us to wait? Just, just want to thank Bank of Ireland as well, our partners and proud supporters of the four Irish provinces. We'll be back on Monday, um, hopefully after a Leinster win. Um, all right? Yep. There is an isle. There is an isle. A bonnie isle. A bonnie isle. Stands proudly from. Stands proudly from the sea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Great, great, great. You, I think we'll stick to chat. You've got a lot going for you. Not of singing your, voice. Your though. singing voice, like mine, deserves to stay in the shower. <laughs> Would you like to give us any Springbok song, any club songs? Anything? I was on, no, I'm, I'm a guy. I'm Are you sure? Uh, I had a few appearances in karaoke bars in Japan in 2019. We heard rumor that you were good. You've left um, a legacy there. You know what I do though? Say, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with a brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. Flows like hawk through daily and nightly. Will it was up? Yo, I don't know. Now we're in Ireland. Let's glow. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, can you drop these mics? <laughs> Let's finish on that. That That's was beautiful. It. All right, we'll catch you next week, guys. Thanks a million. Bye. Peace out. Joe presents House of Rugby, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces.